I had to shake him on my last case, Big O don't play. I think of all the Instagram posts that I miss, but then that custom paint job really might get bit. Ow! Got it bad, got it bad, got it bad. I'm trolling Leo's. I've got it bad, so bad. I'm trolling Leo's. Hey, there's that muskie. Bad. I brought my mojos. Let's give him something to bite on, man. Whoa! Alright, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunts Podcast. I'm one of your, we're gonna say, or host this evening, Ryan Reed. We have, we're short, we're actually down two hunks for this one, but we have an honorary hunk in play tonight. Called one up. Called one up from the miners. <laughs> he's here and he's, uh, he's, he's wearing his black and gold. So we're pumped about that. Tonight we have another special guest on the line. And this guest, I'm going to just say near and dear to my heart. <laughs> I have so much respect for this is the poster above Ryan's bed. Yes. It, it, we talk about like man crushes, like uh, Tom's man crush of Joe. I feel Joe like Steve. I know him already just because of Ryan talking about him. I hardly know the guy, but I feel like I'm friends. So, and we'll, we'll get into that. So, uh, but before we do, we have, we're going to say three other hunks on the line. We're going to start with Mr. Donnie Swink wearing the big O's bucktails hoodie. Oh yeah, it's all about the brand, baby. How you feeling? What's up, tonight? boys? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm ready to go. All I... right, me too. I'm excited. <laughs> all right, good. We also have on the phone tonight, Mister Tommy, the two Crocs fanata. Yo, no Crocs. No Crocs tonight. No Crocs. Kick back. That's going to be a question tonight too, because I've mm-hmm. never, I've, I've never asked him this one. That's going to be, a, that's going to be a oh, question. It's the resident trolling expert. I just could not miss tonight. Tonight was a no, I can't miss. So yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, <laughs> we'll make sure we cover that in in, in detail mm-hmm. this evening while Good we talk to, to an actual trolling expert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said resident. Yeah, re- that's true. He did say resident. He I is a resident. That. All right. So good to see your smiling face this evening. And we also have on the phone tonight called up from the minor leagues. We're going to go right back to Iron City Pantan with Mr. Napod. Love the show. <laughs> Every time. It's good to see you. And I prefer Bush League, but it's all right. All right. Well, well is this the, is the transition completely taking place that you and Nick were talking about last episode? Is this it? Did we just slide <laughs> one out and slide one in? No. Nick left the group straight. chat. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point here, we're gonna have a full time hug with Nate Bud, and Nick's just gonna be called up from the Bush League. So we'll get we'll there. Just be one and a half. Oh yeah, you can do that too. 
All right, well, parts. <laughs> it's good to see you guys on tonight. So let's get to our guests this evening. You guys know I'm super pumped about this. We've been talking about getting him on here to talk musky fishing for quite some time. And finally, we're able to get it scheduled. And I'm super pumped. So this person that we have on the phone tonight, I'm going to say has been making musky lures for, can I say, what, late 80s? That sound about right? Yeah. Yeah. Probably, I probably started making wooden baits real early 90s, like 90, 91. Okay. I started making bucktails in 88. All right. So he's been doing this a very long time, has caught a lot of fish over the years, has really done a nice job creating, you know, what I would consider pure fish catching baits. And we are super excited to talk to the one and only Mr. Todd Leopardi tonight. So Todd, welcome. Thanks yeah, for coming thank on, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good to have you, Todd. Thank you. What I meant before, like Ryan talks about you, like his hot girlfriend from another school district. Like, I feel like <laughs> I know you, but we've never really talked that much aside from a couple minutes at the shows, but just by association, all the stories we hear, it's like, well, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because, you know, I'll tell just a quick one when we get into this, like I, Dano used to take me to Muskie Max and that was my first exposure. You guys know that we've talked about it a bunch. Like really the first time I was exposed to muskies and I can remember like Dan and we'll talk about Dan too. Cause he's like one of the, the biggest Leo fans in the world, but I can remember like standing outside of Todd's booth and Dan being like, these are the baits you want to get like this color, this color, this color. And he was like, so ramped up and excited about it. And I'm like, all right, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I can remember coming up to talk, talk to Todd at the booth and like, just remember, you know, it's like, it's like when you have these experiences with people that you kind of realize like, man, there's just, there's certain personalities that are kind of built to like help people learn and really just like embrace people at booths. And that's what I got from Todd. So that was kind of what like naturally drew me to that booth. And I, I don't even remember Todd, if you, you know, if, or I don't know if you remember like having those conversations, cause we were kind of talking before you get so many people at the booth at those shows that it's hard to remember that stuff sometimes. Yeah. I, I remember the, it's funny the first year, I remember when you come through videoing, like before we had you actually tied in with Muskie Max and I'd seen you coming through and I, I told Sean, I was like, man, there's this dude walking through video. And I said, that's awesome. You know? And it, it was, I, I just didn't really expect we would have people doing that. And then I told him, I was like, you got to get a hold of him and, like try to get this guy start doing videos of the shows and stuff. But yeah, that was, that's, it's neat. I, I, lo I love seeing the excitement of, of everybody, like not just with my stuff, just with the fishing in general. It's, it's neat, neat seeing everybody get excited for it. Yeah. And that, and that kind of led to like over the last couple of years, like we really got the chance to start fishing with you, like probably what, two years ago, a year ago, so like relatively recently. Mm -hmm. You know, so that, that was pretty, that was pretty cool being able to do that. But so, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where I really love when we get local guys on, you know, guys that have been doing this for a while, get a chance to talk musky fishing. So where do you guys want to start here tonight? We want to just go right to the beginning with, with Todd. Mm -hmm. When did Todd get a rod? Um, Like for musky fishing, 
Well, we're talking like, we're talking like fishing, fishing. Like when did fishing come into your life? Like as a little kid, did dad get you into it? Yeah. Yeah. As long as I can remember back, my dad took me, I mean, that was every weekend we went fishing and it was, I mean, we did bass fishing and trout, a lot of like tons of trout fishing, like in little streams, like up the mountains for brook trout and Mountains in PA, like the Laurel Mountains. Yeah. Yeah. We would, we would go up near, um, like we'd go to Clintonville, but then we would ride clear up like towards Bradford, like Smithport area. And we'd fish all these little trout streams. It, it was funny. I mean, you're catching little six, seven inch brown or brook trout, but you're sneaking up because as soon as you'd get too close, everything would spook. And (laughs) that was just our weekends. I mean, we would, I always wanted to play like my brother was really good with football. I always wanted to do that stuff. But my dad, he would be like, you can play any sports you want. But remember, you know, we go fishing on the weekends or we go hunting on the weekends. That's when you're going to be playing. So I was like, ah, heck with that. I'm, you know, I'm fishing or I'm hunting. And I really didn't do much sports in school, just like in in high school and stuff. I did track, but in cross country, but that was really about it. So you were hardcore into it by then. Like yeah, were... I was like, I was, my dad would go small game hunting and I was pretty much the dog. I was jumping on the brush piles and everything as a little kid. And I, I mean, I think I missed one time I slept in and I remember <laughs> as a little kid, I was all upset that I missed going hunting with them that day. And I, I never missed another time after that for hunting or fishing, <laughs> but like, as far as musky fishing, like we would go to French Creek in our John boat and uh, catch muskie and pike. And uh, to, to be able to actually go to Canada, I had to be five years old. So my dad, as soon as I turned five, you know, it was like a countdown. My, my birthday's in January. And so it was a countdown for that July that, you know, that was like the trip that my, it was like a big family tradition. My, my mom's father's, you know, it was my grandpa, my pappy Clem and my grandma Louise would go up to Seabright, Ontario every year. And then my dad started going and then he was bringing his dad, which was my, my pappy Al. And uh, my step grandfather would also go sometimes, my pappy Joe. And uh, I don't know, it was just a big family event. It like you always went like the second weekend in July and I could not wait. They were, there were beaver dams going across and it was just really small streams that we were, you felt like you were trout fishing, but you were musky fishing. Mm. And uh, it was funny. I got my first musky that year and it was just, I, I don't want to say I didn't want to catch anything else, but after you catch a musky and it was only like a 30 incher, but you are sort of hooked on it because then catching a trout wasn't as big of a thrill, <laughs> but I, I did love fishing for everything back then. It was just like, I don't know, just sort of getting that first one, I was just sort of hooked for a long time. That's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, how many people? For some. Yeah, for some, for some people. Some people aren't built for it, you know. But for, for some of us, you get that first one and it's lights out. Yeah, it's just, it's it's funny because I, I Fishing back then was so different that, I mean, I, that was 1975 when I got my first muskie and I was five years old and we're using spinning rods, which we thought were heavy. I still have some of them. They were, they're a bass rod, but back then that was a heavier rod that we were using. 
and monofilament fishing line and Mitchell 300 reels and uh, just a totally, totally different way of fishing than what you see everybody doing today. And um, it's it's funny to see how guys you talk to now, they go on a fishing trip and I think the first thing is, did you get a 50? That, that wasn't even on our radar of getting a 50. If you got one 40 inches, that was probably your big fish for the week. And we didn't really keep anything. I mean, we let everything go. Every once in a while, we would we would bring a fish home for like a big fish fry. And um, but that was pretty darn rare that we actually kept anything. I mean, it was you'd pretty much get a picture with them or. So wait a second. I got to stop you real quick. So you have eaten a muskie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. how was that? Can you remember? I, I'm i not a good, I, I don't like fish. Okay. So not, okay. It, I, Just I'm, curious. They they do have like a lot of bone in them. Yeah, I would think. And yeah, and it, like the way my mom would cook them was it was just pretty much you skin them and you cook the whole entire fish. And I don't know, I, I, I didn't like it. Because a lot of people, like, we joke about it, but I've never, like, tried one. Like, I've never had an opportunity. So that's cool, I think, that you've actually been able to yeah, try a muskie. I think, like, like in the 70s and probably even really early 80s, the guys kept fish. It wasn't, mm -hmm. like, now it's like a sin if you keep, like, my son one year, I let him keep a 50-incher. It was, I think Joey was seven years old or eight years old. He gets his first 50. I don't, I don't know how you tell your kid that you have to let that go. I did tell him that if you keep this, you're not going to keep another one, but Hey, it's, that's his choice. You want to keep it, uh, keep it. And he did. And I had guys from our club that like, I was pretty disappointed because they were pretty rude about it. I'm like, you got a, like a seven or eight year old little boy that got mm. a 50 incher and you're going to, grape that he kept that fish i mean i've let go so many muskie over the years and you're going to complain about that one so I, I i sort of got a sour thing with it there for a little while with some of the guys but i think overall i like majority of the people were really really good about it but there's just some guys that that don't see the whole picture of what's what's going on mm -hmm. and i i do frown on like i i wouldn't i don't want people going out there killing muskie all the time and you know, I think, I think everybody's on board with, you know, release as many as you possibly can and take, it's not just release them, take care of them. Like mm -hmm. if you got to cut hooks, cut hooks, don't be ripping everything out of the fish and try to handle them the least amount you can and get them in the water. Yeah. But yeah, we did, did eat some fish back in the 70s. That's funny. <laughs> See, that's... that's why, that was to say, that's why my dad always told us we could only keep a fish that was bigger than the one he caught. Uh, and that number kept growing every yeah. year. <laughs> you got to be a 60 inch. You can't keep it. Sorry. <laughs> Tricky. See, that that's the thing, though. Like, nobody talks about, I mean, we talk about, like, well, every once in a while we'll get a guess. It's like, oh, yeah, this is how it used to be, you know. But it's like the culture now is so different. And, you know, like, I've had to kind of train myself at times, too, because, like, when I first started doing this, like, the mentality was we're going to release every fish, you know. It, it, there's no keeping of anything. And then you see guys like what I saw a couple of years ago, you know, kill a muskie and keep it. And for me, like I always think about the amount of money we put into the sport 
and the fish, you know, even with the permits now and like contributions. And it's kind of hard for me to like not get ramped up. But at the same time, like you got to realize exactly what you said, you know, it's, it's their fish. They caught it. It's their choice. And I think as, as musky fishermen, we need to do a better job to respect that, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, and, and it's, you know, it can be frustrating, but it's not, it's not really our place to tell somebody else what to do and that's really exactly beat on what people. it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And I think, I think if, I think we all sort of need to stick together as like fishermen and hunters and everything, just sportsmen in general, um, let somebody have their right. If, if they wanted to keep a fish, uh, don't be killing them all the time. But if you got your biggest fish ever and you decide that's what you, the one you want to keep, then I can't argue with that. And you got so many people that are already anti-hunters, anti-fishermen that are going to be trying to, you know, knock you down. At least as sportsmen stick together. Don't, don't bash, don't bash that other guy for something that he did. If you don't like it, sometimes it's better. Just don't say anything, leave it alone. Um, on the other hand, if you're seeing where guys are keeping them killing fish all the time, we're really, really mishandling fish. It, at that point, I think it is maybe good to say something. So it's, it's a slippery slope, I think, on how you how you approach what you're going to say or not say. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> dude, that is, it's just tact. You know, it's a lot it of is. it I see on social media is not, there's just so, there's just like tactless approaches. And that's what you see on Facebook 90% of the time, you know, but. I mean, this is, this is interesting because, you know, we don't always get into that sportsman side of it, you know, but that's a, that's something I, I, I think, you know, all of us probably need to work on and just kind of settle down a little bit, you know, and just respect that, respect that person's space and let them do what they need to do with it. But, you know, that's the other reason why the stocking program here is so important, you know, and the permits and things like that. And you can, you know, there's ways that you can help people kind of learn and see that and, you know, just give them that education. But yeah, that's, uh, man, times were different back then. Did you guys ever hear any like gunshots on the water? People shooting them? No, no. no. It, like where we fished at, like when we would go up to Canada, those little, little streams that we fished, honestly, it was very rare for us to see anybody. Um, there was actually one guy, uh, Gene Lanza that lived here in Elwood. He was friends with my grandpap we would drive the whole way up there to fish. And if we seen another boat on the water, on the, on the little river that we fished, it was generally Gene and he was from <laughs> Elwood. So it was sort of funny, like to go clear up there and never see anybody. And if you did, it was somebody from your hometown. Yeah. That's wild. But it like that, like I said, the way of fishing that we did then was so different. I mean, we were no motors, just paddling, um, casting, uh, if you pulled up to a beaver dam, you would, you know, lift your boat up around and get up on top and, you know, start going again. But uh, no electric motors, anything, just you were paddling on the stream and casting. And on, honestly, I never trolled from 1975 up to probably 1992, 93, 94, somewhere around there. That would have been the first time I, I actually trolled was like early 90s. And my, my trolling was we would be casting jerk baits and we'd be, decide we wanted to have a break and eat something. And 
sit down and hold the fishing rod and troll around while you're eating your sandwich and then start casting again. So my, my trolling probably never really even started like good trolling until probably early two thousands. Hmm. Yeah. I've, I've mainly been a caster for years. So it's wild. Yeah. That, that begs the question. So we're, so you're kind of going through, you know, how you got started. What, so you started making baits. What do we say? Like the late eighties. Yeah. I started, I started making some bucktails like in 1988 and 89. And then right about 1990, I started screwing around. I, I made a few wooden bodies and I, I, everybody starts out sort of rough. So, I mean, they were, they were bad, but I mean, we did catch some fish on them and, um, each year I would screw around a little bit more, just trying to tweak them and, you know, change them. And, but I probably really didn't even sell any until I think about 1992. And, um, even back then I didn't, I didn't push it hard. I, I was mainly making them for me and buddies and, you know, just different people would ask me, Oh, you know, they'd see them. Can I get a few? And I'd make them for them. But now is this was this mostly like when you started making after bucktails like I, i've seen a lot of the stuff i've talked to you about some of the stuff you were building like was the shayla like aside from the jerk baits was the shayla like the first crankbait no i made um okay. i don't know if you remember the minnows that i That's used right. to make yeah i made i made like a really small bass size Leroy. i never even had a name for it um yeah, I made some little bat wooden bass crankbaits. And then um I made like a version of my minnow, but actually it was using a Lexan lip. And I did that, I only did that for a couple years. And then I thought, like, I'm friends with Dale Wiley, and I thought, like, geez, oh man, this it doesn't, it's not just like a Wiley, but it's it's too similar. So I totally changed it and I went to a metal lip. And that's when my my new type of minnow came out with a with the metal lip on it and then i made the musky dog and a riffle runner and you know back then it was everything with a metal lip and i, I worked at a metal working place and we actually made all the metal lips right there like i designed them and um we actually you know fabricated them right right where i worked at so it was it was sort of nice having the own like you could have your own metal lip made nobody else has it and it actually worked out good but yeah shayla shad started after each of those like i had i had my minnow my musky dog my riffle runner hog and then shayla shad started after that okay all right so that's so is that when you started trolling like how long was that when you started trolling like to the point where you started making shaylas is that like um, early early to late 90s yeah, like I like my my real trolling didn't start like what when I started taking it serious. I mean, we trolled from like like early nineties up to like real early two thousands, just very little bits of trolling. I mean, it would be ninety percent of your day was casting jerk baits and while you were taking a break or crossing to a different area, that's when we would have a rod out. But it wasn't real we were trolling, but we weren't like trolling like we do now. We were just sort of covering some water, killing some time. And if you caught one, it was like a bonus. 
I mean, we even jerk trolled back then. We would just put a, we'd drift over an area that we casted. And to drift over it again, we would run the motor across, throw a jerk bait out and just putt like two and a half mile an hour and just like drag, like just pull forward sort of slow. And we would catch fish like that. And it was like, it was always like a bonus that you got that because, you know, normally we would have just buzzed right back up, started casting again. But yeah, our trolling didn't really start until I'd say my first real time would have been like around, I think 2003 is when I really started trolling harder. And then 2005, when we went to St. Clair, it was Jim Walker was going with me and he, he was laughing. He said, I'll go with you under one condition. And I'm like, what's that? He's like, if you leave all your casting stuff at home, because he knows that <laughs> like if, if the trolling wasn't going to be going good for like an hour, I'd be like, all right, put all this stuff away and it's cast. I, I know we can get some followers or catch some fish. And I was like, I, I'll, I'll agree to that. I'll leave the stuff home. And so that, that trip was like the first time that I was like, all right, I, I got to learn what I'm doing here because that's my only option. That's like, that's like a trial by fire right there. Yeah. You know, say it, was, it was because we had never used a GPS and you have to use a GPS on that lake. And so we, it was funny. There's a lot of other boats that were going up at that time. And me and Jim, we, we, we talked to each other and we said, you know what, we'll let everybody take off and, we're going to go in an opposite direction so they can't see what we're doing because we didn't know how to use the planer boards. We didn't really know how to use the GPS and figured we will look like idiots to ourselves out there and go in a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's one way. So before we get away from the, the building, you know, I wanted to ask you, and we kind of kicked around the idea of like having a whole different discussion around Ed Latiano. Mm -hmm. but just just for the sake of like touching on it you know we we always hear like especially getting into the sport like you read all these articles about elwood city right like it's just like something's in the water in, in elwood city when it comes to making musculars you have like you're up there you have we talked earlier about like kimmick and mm -hmm. you've got you got dale wiley and you've got Ed Latiano, there's just such a like rich history of musky lore builders from Elwood. So what was it like, like, you know, getting the chance to like talk and work with Ed Latiano? He's like, you know, to us, like some of us never had a chance to meet him. You know, it was kind of one of those things you always read and hear. Um, and actually you introduced me to his stuff, like at Musky Max, there was one bait there. You know, what was it like kind of working with Ed, you know, hanging out with Ed? learning from Ed, you know, what, what can you speak to there? Um, Ed was just a cool guy. Cause he, I mean, there was such an age difference when I, when I met him, I was in my twenties. I really don't know what, how old Ed was at that time, but I would guess like late seventies, eighties. I'm not sure he was up there. Uh, it was almost like, it almost felt like you were talking to like your grandpap and Ed was just the coolest guy because um, you could go to his shop, you know, if, if he was at his shop, I would stop over, but most of the time it was right at his house. And it was neat because he, he made so many different types of lures. And I think that's, it, it just, it sparked an interest in a lot of things. Like I was already making some lures, 
when I when I first met him, but I went over and I thought I'd, I'd like to just ask him a question. And Ed was good because he would answer pretty much anything that you asked him. And he made he made lots of replicas of really any old fishing lure that you could think of. Ed probably had made a replica of it. And uh, I know he had told me a lot of times to do the same thing. He's like, you may never see one of these lures again. Make a replica of it so you at least have a copy you know, of it, just something to represent that lure. And a lot of the stuff he did was like the old fashioned way. Like I'm like on my lathe, I have a duplicator. Ed didn't have much of a duplicator. He would just, you know, pretty much eyeball it and he would be measuring with calipers and stuff like that. And it was just the way he did stuff and the way I do stuff or probably total opposites. But we have a lot of the same exact things of like different things that he showed me how to do. I still do the same exact way, like different jigs that he showed me how to make. Like from a, he wanted, he's the one that got me to make my jerk bait, and he used to call it a ready Eddie. He had told me for years, like you got to make this, you got to make this, and I'm like Ed, you're you're making, like I don't want to make the same thing that you're making, and he's like I'm not going to make them forever, you know, because you gotta you gotta start making them now, and I was like I will, and I I sort of fought it. I, I made my own version of jerk baits that I wanted and honestly they didn't really work that well. They worked they were okay. And then finally <clears throat> finally the one year I, I made one and I showed it to Ed. And then he helped me tweak it a little bit. But he he was it was just cool because you you would go in his house in his basement and he would have all these lures hanging on a wire and he, he would tell you a little story about each one, like why he made it or why he painted it that color. And like some of the lures were gigantic, like four foot long lures that were like just display lures. But it was just a neat, neat old guy to talk to. And it was just it was somebody you could probably sit there for hours and have a conversation with. And it didn't always have to be just making fishing lures, but it had to do with lures like it, it might have been. He might have been telling you the history of a lure, like like who made a certain lure, like if it was Creek Chub or a Hedden and about what year that would have been made. And he would like joke around about like, you know, the details that they put into stuff. It was just like, I don't know. I, I was just like sort of taken away. It was like you you could you, you got absorbed into it, like listening to what he was saying. I, I, I could have sat there for hours and just listened to all his stories. And uh, I don't know, I'm just, I'm thankful, thankful that I got to meet the guy. Cause like I said, I don't know how many of you guys ever even met him, <clears throat> ever got to meet him or anything, but he was just, just the nicest, like genuine guy that you, you probably could have met. He was, there was no secrets with Ed. He didn't, never really heard him talk bad about anybody. He was, he was just a cool guy. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, for us, I mean, it's the only, you know, we just see the lures that, that's out there, you know, that every once in a while I see one pop up on eBay and I pick it up. <laughs> you know, it's just like you almost want to have, and I don't know how you guys feel, like Nate, Tom, and, and Donnie, like I don't think you guys are collecting at this point. Maybe you are, maybe you're not, but like, mm. man, it's like, I, I don't know. I almost feel like I want to have a piece of that history. Yeah. In that regard, yeah, I don't collect in like the gotta have them all kind of thing, but I think that's really cool. Like the local musky history, like so many people look up to that guy. 
for sure. Yeah, I think like honestly, if you even if you're not a collector, if you were able to get one, whether it's a used beat up one or a, a newer newer looking one, it, I think it's just a cool thing to maybe have one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh I think if you if you would have met Ed, you would definitely want want to have one of those lures just because he was he was just a cool guy. He was he was nice nice guy. I mean, me and my wife would go over there and his Ed's wife, her, her name was Emma. And it was funny because we would be downstairs and she would yell down, Ed, you're, you know, dinner's done. And he would like, look at me and just act like he didn't hear it. And <laughs> before you know it, she, she'd be on because she, she had dinner done. She wanted him up there and she was, she was like a neat freak. Like everything had its place and Ed was a little bit scattered and like, <laughs> he would go upstairs for something and she would come down and she would like instantly be like, like putting his stuff away. And like, it was just funny to watch them too, because she like, as soon as he walks away, she's, she's putting stuff away, trying to like neaten up. And then Ed would come back and everything would be a mess again. And not, not a, not a disaster, but <laughs> Ed just did his thing. And <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. You guys have any questions about any of that? I feel like I'm hogging all the questions. Well, you're, this is good. You're, you're, you're thriving right now, Ryan Reed. Yeah, this, is, just, this is like the moment you've been waiting for. Yeah. We're, we're just letting you bask in this, Ryan. Yeah. It's, it's all good. <laughs> we're so, enjoying how happy you are. One of the things I wanted, you know, I wanted to like really spend some time on tonight was like stories because, you know, that's one of the things like we, I, I had the opportunity to go to St. Clair with you last year and got to hear some stories about St. Clair and just, just general like musky fishing stories. So like we're at a point right now where you're kind of, we're getting through like how you started, you know, making baits and stuff like that. And, you know, I like talk about maybe, so when you go out fishing at this point, you're running purely your own baits. Right. Yeah, and I haven't, I haven't, it's funny. I, I haven't used a, a different lure since I started making lures. Like, like once I started making, like when I made bucktails, that's all I used. I didn't, before that we used rebels. We always threw rebels when we casted. When I switched to making a bucktail, it, that was it. Like I didn't want to catch something on anything else. I wanted to catch it on what I spent my time making. And then when I switched to wooden baits, same thing. Like I've never, you know, if you look in my boat, it, it would be somebody playing a joke on me. If you've seen a different lure in my boat. <laughs> well, we have heard, so I know and I would I have, have a heart attack. <laughs> Sean, I say, I've heard some rumors in this uh, arena here that if other lures end up on the boat, they quickly end up off the boat. They do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, my brother, time we were at, my, my brother, we were at Lake Arthur the one time and he was, he had a little metal tackle box in the boat and we're, we're sitting there riding around. I think, honestly, I think we were actually listening to like a Steeler game while we were trolling. And uh, he's telling me how, I think they were at like Point of Burial in Georgian Bay and they fished for a little bit of everything. They musky fished. They, they were catching pike. They took time to smallmouth fish. And he's telling me all this stuff. And he was like, yeah, because we were catching all these smallmouth on these. And he opens up his tackle box and I'm looking at it. I was like, hmm, like, that don't look like Leo lures. And he just looks at me like, 
confused and I grabbed a whole handful of like what he had in his tackle box and threw it out of the boat and <laughs> he's like panicking trying to close the tackle box and yeah so that's what I always tell people I say you can bring what you want but it, it's going to get thrown in the lake if it's not a Leo so <laughs> that's great I did get that warning the first time I fished with you and the only baits I brought were Leo's it's like <laughs> no way <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, like being that you're using your own stuff, like you're always using Leo's like out there, you know, talk to us a little bit about some of these trips too. Cause like, I know you always got the kids out there and got Lori out there. You know, I've seen some of the pictures of Shayla and Joey with some of these just monster fish. Like what, what does that mean? Like when you get out there and you start fishing and you guys catch these fish, like you look in the bag and see, you know, it was a bait that you handled, 37 45 times you know in a shop like what does that mean to be able to you know catch a fish like that like have joey get a picture of joey holding like a 54 you know knowing that it was on that that thing was created in your shop you know like what's that like uh it's i don't know i i enjoy it like it just makes you feel so good that you did something right i mean it, like in your life i think they're like everybody has the same thing you don't always make the best choices or do the best things but if somebody gets a, whether it's us or you guys, anybody catches a big fish or any fish on something that you made, dang, you feel pr pretty darn good that you, you did something right. And I don't know, it makes, makes you feel like it, it was definitely worth your while. And I don't know, I just, you, you feel, I feel really good about it anyhow. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Yeah, it's, I, I love, love getting the pictures and, same with like when we're catching fish, it's like, like there's times where you're out there and like, like I'm good friends with Dale and them. And there's, there's times when guys are catching more on Dale's baits and I'm thinking like, man, what do I got to, what do I got to do here? Like I got to speed up, slow down, change. Like, like you're constantly trying to figure out what you're doing wrong. And then it could be the very next day your baits on fire. And, you know, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, like there's ups and downs like of fishing mm -hmm. all the time on on if you got the hot bait or not and uh like i don't have i don't have an option i'm not switching to put anything else on so mine mine better be working and that's why <laughs> I've, I've tried to make like the best that i possibly can so you haven't you know i know i've, I've heard stories about mr wiley being the same way over there he's he not is. gonna he's not gonna let me fish a leo on on the wiley uh, boat as good of friends as me and Dale were, I mean, like we're about as close as you could possibly be being, and we're both different. You know, we both are lure makers. We both get along great, but he would, he wouldn't be caught dead having my lure in his boat. And I'm, I'm the same. <laughs> like it's just that thing where I would rather catch zero fish in my boat all day than catch one on anybody else's lure. And it's, it's probably I don't know. Maybe people think I'm totally nuts, but it's no, just, that's... <laughs> you see that a lot with guys that like tie their own flies and stuff. Like they don't want to catch shit on anything they didn't tie. Like it's, it's, that's any yeah. kind of fishing, any kind yeah. of maker. Yeah. That yeah, makes total sense. That stuff cracks me up, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you'd have awesome. seen Sean's face the day I threw them out. So what other stories do we have? Cause you have, you have a number of fish, you know, you've got, uh, you've got some uh, reproductions there too. Like there's one in your, in your shop. 
Like what, what are your favorite, like maybe give us a couple of like favorite stories. If you can even pull something out. I got, come here a minute. I got my wife here and come here. Got my wife, Lori sitting here. So Hi, Lori. Hi, Lori. Hi. I'm going to include her in, on the story a little bit here. And I, I think most of you guys probably been through this kind of thing, but I'm not the most patient person when it comes to fishing, especially when I'm in St. Clair, I want to get on the water. And when Shayla and Joey, that's both of my kids and Lori, when we would, the three of us would, or the four of us would go up to St. Clair, uh, eight o'clock in the morning, I'm usually ready. I I'm like, I want to get on the water while Lori and Shayla are, you know, getting their showers and then they got to do their hair and then they got to do their makeup and, I'm like eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. It's like, now I'm getting sort of testy. I want to get on the water and all my buddies are out there fishing, texting me what they're catching. And I remember the one day it's like going on 11 o'clock. We're finally getting in my boat and I'm sort of, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here, but I was bitching and (laughs) (laughs) you're allowed to say whatever you want, Todd. So we're going out to Ruscombe and it was just one of them days where it's like, man, I wanted to get out there so bad because you could hear guys catching fish. And we I could have put out eight rods, but it's it's too it was too hard. My kids were little. I, we were going to run six rods. And uh, remember, we're just setting the rods. And I, I think I had three of the rods out. And as I'm going, one of the rods goes off and I'm like, hey, hey, we got a fish. And it's it's an outside uh, rod. And so I handed it. We always let like the youngest go for, I'd let Joey reel the first fish, then Shayla, and then Lori, and then I would just rotate right back. It was, you know, Joey, Shayla, Lori. And um, that first rod goes off, I give it to Joey, and the fish gets off. And, or we thought it got off. So I put the rod back in the rod holder, I'm getting the other one set, another rod goes off, so I hand that one to Joey. As soon as he starts to reel that one in, another rod goes off, I give it to Shayla. So there's two, they're both reeling fishing at the same time. And I look up the very first rod that we had that fish on. It's still on. I'm like, Lori, grab it. So we started the day with a triple and wow. it was, it was the craziest thing. We didn't, didn't get out there until it was like 1130 something. And we ended up landing 32 fish that day. It was like the craziest, I think 30 after all the fish. complaining I did that day, it was like, it finally it, 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 the fishing was good. It was it made up for it, but I, that was, that was one of our very best days ever. And to, to go from where you were so frustrated to just an awesome day, it was, it was great. That's, that's wild. Go ahead, Swanky. You have a question. Yeah, I do. So I'm curious, Lori, did you, <laughs> were did you fish before you met Todd or, or did you start fishing together? Or how did that come to be? Because I think it's pretty neat how the whole family's out there doing this. I'm just, I'm not sure, uh, you know, how that all got going. My dad took me a couple times when I was growing up. But then when we were dating, we went fishing every night, just like in the rivers and stuff like that until we got his boat. And then, then I had the kids when they were little, I didn't go so much. But then once they got a little bigger... Yeah, she actually used to go when we would go fish those little streams. Uh, me and my dad and Lori, we would go 
And that's that's where she got her first muskie was on those little <laughs> streams up in Canada. That's awesome. That is very I, cool. I told her I wouldn't marry her if she didn't fish. So <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she knew what she was signing up for there. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should have tried that one. You went about it wrong, Tony. Yeah, it's a little late. You gotta train them right. (laughs) I messed that one up. (laughs) So what? What's the biggest fish that Lori has to date? I think you're fifty-two. I think fifty-two or fifty-three. I'm not even sure. Yes, we'll go look at. Gotta check his notebook. They all seem big when I'm rolling them in. So, so that, I mean, that's obviously a giant fish. Now, what what's it like? So the whole family, like, I'm assuming like Joey and Shayla, when they were younger, this was something that, like, when you think about that, like having young kids on the boat, like you want to be out there for, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours. Like, how, how did that work having the whole family out there? Did you guys stick it out all day or did you have to like break it up? No, broke it up. Uh, I remember one one trip we took to Pigeon Lake. I'm not even sure how old was Joey. Probably four. Yeah, he was. I think Joey was four. Shayla would have been eight. It was me, Lori, and my kids, and then Todd Young and his wife, and we took two boats. And uh, as bad as I wanted the fish, because we were at Pigeon Lake, as bad as I wanted the musky fish, it was like I, I couldn't. Couldn't get the kids out there to do that. Like they would have not wanted the musky fish. And uh, I don't know. I think there's a certain age where a certain age where you got to wait to really push them on musky. But also each kid's different. I think you could have a, a five like how I was at five years old. You didn't have to push me to stay in, stay out fishing all day where you might have a 12 or 13 year old kid that. That you really can't push either, you know, it's like, yeah. You got to see what each each kid wants to do. Just don't don't force it. As soon as you start forcing it, they're going to hate it and not do Mm -hmm. it. But but my kids, uh, if if we were out there and we were going to troll, like that's how I was trying to get Shayla. Her first muskie was trolling um, to keep their interest on the boat. Sometimes what we would do is like we might put water in the live well and, you know, throw a bluegill in the live well or something for them to, or some type of toy or something. And something almost, I hate to say it like this, but you're sort of distracting them a little bit so you can stay out a little longer. But we did spend a lot of time on that, on those type of trips too, where we were just bluegill fishing or, you know, whatever, whatever was going to bite. We were out there just trying to catch whatever. And then me and Todd Young would get a few hours to go out and cast for a little while. And, but, um, I don't know. I, I think like if you can get your kids started early, the earlier the better. Just don't. I wouldn't force it on them until they're they're ready. If you got to go and catch bluegills or chubs or you know whatever, you know, get something where you're going to be catching a bunch of them just to keep their interest. Yeah, I always talk to guys like uh, we've had conversations about like when when people were younger, you know, and their their dad would take them out in the woods to go hunt. And it was like sticking them out in the cold for like 10 hours. And it was just, you never yeah. saw anything. And they're just like completely miserable. Go ahead, Swanky. No, that was me. That's all that was you. Yeah, my dad <laughs> did that to me all the time. <laughs> Every Saturday from the time I was 12 years old till we graduated high school. 
then I then I kept doing it on my own. But yeah, <laughs> I think ours, why I'm not sure. But. Ours might have been a little wee bit different, just because my like my grandparents, you know, hunted and fished. My dad, you know, he was like like how I am. I, I took after him, and he he liked to hunt and fish all the time, and mom. I, I was the same exact way. It was like, I seen everything that they did. Like if, if any of them, you know, got a nice muskie or got a deer or something like that, it was like, I'm a little kid, like thinking, man, I can't wait till that's me. And I don't know if that's the same with all the like kids. Now, I think that half of them are on computers or video games and stuff like that. And I think that part of it sort of drives me nuts. I'd rather see, see them out fishing or hunting instead of sitting in front of a computer. Oh, oh, yeah. say, I'm, I'm glad you talked about it too. Cause I got a five year old and a three year old and, and swink, you got a little one too. And I know that's what I'm thinking about all the time is how to get them excited about it. And I mean, part of something that was really cool. I thought about the max this year was the um, coloring contest. And yeah. my daughter was so pumped up. I, you posted the picture of it. We printed them out at home so she could like, practice coloring and stuff like that she was just i've never seen her that excited about fishing and you know we went and looked at the wall and she had her stuffed animal musky and was sniffing them all out and it was just it was really cool to see her light up and i mean i think it's it's good to hear from a you know a newer parent to be like oh there's a there's a pathway here you know you can do this and you know to hear a couple that goes out and fishes and has the kids involved is really really pretty cool to me I agree. No, it's possible. You can we've do had, it, you know. We've had some crazy times on our boat, especially when when my kids were little. It was like, I remember it at St. Clair the one year, uh, we were getting a little bit beat with the waves and everything, and the kids are they're fiddling around in the boat. And I thought a good idea was to bring a loaf of bread with us so that on the way out and then on the way back they could feed ducks. But for the main part, when we're out there fishing, you can't and I remember I'm sitting there cleaning rods and Lori's trying to keep the boat straight because you're running planer boards at St. Clair so far out. You got to you got to watch what you're doing, trying to keep the lines tight and everything. And I remember that <laughs> my kids are in the in the boat, one standing clear up in the front and we had the windshield open and the other ones in the back. And they were Joey's holding the loaf of bread like a bat. He's swinging it. And Shayla's throwing, what was it? A bottle cap. Yeah, like a pop bottle cap to him, trying to make him hit it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> as, as they're doing that, Joey winds up to swing, and he smacks Lori right across the head with the, with the loaf of bread. And I'm, like, waiting for her to, like, I'm trying to act like I didn't even see it because it was like, uh-oh, she's going to start bitching it. <laughs> you know, just got whacked in the head. But uh, I don't know, it's, like, funny times that – just little goofy things like that that like those things make the whole entire trip i mean it's it's i'm not gonna say we didn't want to catch any fish because i go there i want to catch fish but those little things like that i'll remember that forever like that one goofy little moment like that where <laughs> she gets whacked with that it was it was funny <laughs> she didn't think it was funny for the first <laughs> couple minutes and then it was then it was okay <laughs> This, this after doing your hair, Lori, for like an hour and a half prior to that. Yeah. 
That's awesome. I mean, that's a, that's the stuff that to me, that's what this is about. You know, like that's what fishing's about. You get out with friends and family and you just make memories like that. It's not always about the fish, but that's cool. That's cool mm -hmm. stuff. What other stories do you got? No, you got I got a, like, I got too many. Millions. <laughs> got to give them direction, Ryan. I know. Yeah. What kind of, what stories do you want? Like, what about, I don't know. Talk about so, you know, what was it like? Like you taught, you kind of mentioned like Shayla's first fish, Joey's first fish, like, you know what? I know Joey's caught some really big ones, you know, Joey over has. the years. He's like, lucky, man. and he's a, you know, he's a great fisherman too. Like, I think you can kind of see that. Like when you're talking to Joey at a show, like you can tell that you guys have spent time together on the water and, you know, he's just a really solid kid, number one, but number two, he's a, he's a good stick. And I, you know, I think it's cool, like, too, because, like, you get a chance to fish with you guys. And just even for a couple minutes, I remember we were kind of heading towards the ramp and Joey picked up a jerk bait and I was just watching him cast a jerk bait. And I was thinking, man, like, I can't work a bait like that <laughs> at all. You know, so that stuff's cool. But like any like favorite, you know, fish, any kind of like crazy stuff that happened, like aside from you know 32 fish in a day. <laughs> Halo was there. Which and one? We thought we were stuck on a log. Oh, uh, yeah. We've had we've had some goofy things happen. <laughs> like, especially at St. Clair. Like, we had the the one year we're at St. Clair and there was like a lot of boats around us. So if you have you have those planter boards out so far, I mean you have 80, 100 feet from the boat on each side. You can't just turn. And we're trying to like go through where there's there's some other boats you're trying to stay out of their way there was a log that was like a big like a tree it must have been jammed into the the bottom that you could just see the top of it sticking out and i i kept like i had it marked on our gps i'm like man just don't get our line stuck on there and the waves are picking up that day it was just like you're fighting everything and as we're going through that area, a rod goes off and i'm like oh no and i mean it's just peeling lines straight out it's it's Definitely not a muskie. I thought we are stuck on that tree and we can't even get turned because there's boats near us. And I'm, I'm looking at my reel like it's going to spool us. And we're trying to get the boat turned and everything here. We file hooked a sturgeon and we're in between all these other boats. And it was just it was like the biggest cluster you ever seen in your life. But we ended up getting it. And yeah, that was that was a <laughs> A crazy one there's that, that's the one thing about st Clair is it's so different than fishing pimatuming or arthur or pigeon lake or anything is it's just it's it's i'm not going to say giant water but it's so much bigger than what we normally fish it's it's i think it's 25 miles across and no matter where you're at you can always see shore but we do fish out a good ways and that lake, it's just not deep. It's like deep water. There's 22 feet of water. So when you get some wind, that lake, man, it picks up quick. But as far as like structure, it's nothing like fishing pit or nothing like fishing pimatuming where you're where you're really working contours and humps and stuff like that. You're just I I, I feel like you're fishing a bowl. You're just looking for bait. You're just trying to find bait and you know work that area. But it's you could catch so many different fish there. I mean, we've we've got like oddball fish like that, like sturgeon. You're you're catching, and we've 
foul hooked sheep head and caught giant small mouth and large mouth and uh catfish and yeah a little bit of everything northern pike yeah it's just <laughs> it's it's a it's a heck of a good fishery Lori, do you got any like favorite moments out there fishing with Todd? <laughs> Sometimes it gets a little. I thought she's gonna say no. no. <laughs> she might have None of them. I know, <laughs> I know. I'm putting you on the spot. When I'm driving and I'm going in circles or something like that. He's like, "What the heck are you doing?" <laughs> Did I say it that nice? No. <laughs> but it usually ends up okay after he gets us back straight. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I just want to give me a landmark that I can drive toward because it's easier to drive toward that than sometimes follow the GPS because, yeah, you get confused. And I'm like, just give me a windmill. Give me something to drive to. <laughs> this is good info because my that's, that's a job that I allocate to my girlfriend, Kayla, when we're in the there boat. There you go. Like she, she's the boat keeper straighter when I'm doing other things. So that, yeah, that's good. It give can her get a, a little crazy, especially if it's wavy. So I'm like, just mm -hmm. give me something like mm -hmm. on land and I'm good. That's good. <laughs> Point the boat that way. <laughs> exactly. Aim for that sailboat over there. That's amazing. <laughs> So, <laughs> what? Okay, so I mean, obviously, like it's hard for me to ask, you know, what your favorite stories are because you guys have so many. How about when Ryan lost your rod? Well, we can talk, <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that. About that. <laughs> Let's talk about that one for a second because keep in mind, this is the first time I ever fished with Todd, right? So he blew it. I'm already nervous. <laughs> I'm like nervous to begin with, and you guys know I get ramped up when I get out on the just one of those things and no. i always i always value like there's things that i always think about too it's like you know i've been fishing leos and i can remember even like two years three years ago i remember like texting you it was our anniversary and deanna's like i want to get just get whatever like because you know you know how it is like you you're married for so long it's like what <laughs> what do we get each other you know for our anniversary we typically just go on a trip you know that's what we do she's like Go ahead you know she's like if you want to place an order or something go ahead do it so i was like for my anniversary gift i want to go hard on some mojos like that's what i wanted to do so i remember texting todd placing this order and i, I had started catching fish like you know a lot more fish than i was and it just it was always mojos that were going off so i was just you know it was one of those things like talking to todd picking up baits and then like getting the chance to like go fish i was i was nervous and i don't know why i was just ramped up i was like Man, it just felt like it was a. I was like on in the big leagues, you know. It's like get a chance to go fish with Todd. So we meet, we go out, and we're out there fishing. And I think I, I think I brought my. Yeah, I did. I brought my rods to run on my uh, my side of your boat. And I think what had happened was like you guys know we always talk about like when you're trolling, you always got to watch your line, like when you're clipping boards you send the same like 20, 20, 20, 20, over and over and over. Like the, the boards will like wear the line out. So we're out there trolling and I send my board line out and the, the line snaps right at the board. So I'm like, great. <laughs> like initially in my brain, I'm like, great. Like that was not a great showing for me, you know, on Todd Leopardi's boat. So we circle back around we go to grab the board. And I think what happened, like the line, like we ended up running over the line, right? Like yeah, it was wavy too. Yeah. It was wavy that day. So it was really windy. 
and I can remember like going to the front of the boat and I'm like, grab, I think I grabbed the board and I was holding on to the line. I was at the front of Todd's boat and I'm like pulling just like enough pressure to like keep pressure while he's like working on the back. And I, I felt like something and I like tugged and it was gone. It like released. And I was like, Oh, the bait pop sweet. So like 30 seconds later, I hear Todd at the back of the boat. He's like, what'd you say? You caught a, you caught a fishing rod. Yeah. I was like, I didn't even realize it was mine. <laughs> He's like, wait, that's my fishing rod. And I like look over and the down rod on his side is just not in the holder. And I'm like, Oh my God, dude, I just dumped Todd's rod in the lake. I was freaking. I mean, any, the thing of it was, is like you handled it. Like you just pulled it out. It was like, Wow, that was that was what that was my favorite rod. Or <laughs> something you said something to me. He's like, I can't believe we got that back. And I'm just like sweating bullets. <laughs> we went back and like looked at the video, and it's wild because I don't even think either one of us are in the frame. Mm-mm. It just you just see the rod pop right out of the sh- the shell into the lake. So I remember when you were when you were when you started reeling, I could see that the line was going down that side of the boat, and then it went right towards my motor, and it turned, and I thought, uh oh, we're gonna we're going to be wrapped in the prop. So that's why I went back to trim the motor up a little bit. And that's when you were reeling up and I could see that rod tip. And I'm like, man, you got a fishing rod. And then I could see it's that black rod. I'm like, holy shit, that's my fishing rod. (laughs) I couldn't even, I didn't even know how in the world you like that, that could have happened, but we got so turned around that I, I just like, it just caught that, caught that line. Perfect. Or rod, I don't even remember if it was caught on the fishing line or on one of the islets. I don't know. I think it might have been an island. I have no idea. I just know I dumped your down rod in the lake. It needed cleaned off anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was uh that was my first fishing trip out there with Todd. <laughs> Dumping his rod in the lake. Wow. We got two fish you know out what? there. There's there's crazy stuff happens every single year though. Like yeah, it doesn't doesn't surprise me when something happens like 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 that was the first I've ever had happen where a rod hooks on another one and yanks it out like that. But it probably won't be the last time it happens. There there will be something else goofy that goes wrong. And you especially hope it, if hope, Ryan's coming, <laughs> yeah, you, you hope it ends like that where you still have your rod. I, I have lost rods before. You had one one rod with Jim Walker uh, out on St. Clair. We had it in a tube out the side and um, just hitting the waves and everything that day, the planer board, like the mast line came down and caught on my eyelet. And when the tension built back up on the boards, it slid my rod right out of the rod holder and gone like rod, rod, reel, everything gone. And not nothing that I can't really say that we did anything wrong. It was just, just a fluke accident. You know, it's, that happens, I guess. I feel like stuff breaks easy too. Cause like, I know Swinky, we were out there. Like just, I remember that one day we were out fishing and one of your, your planer board, I think, I can't remember if I stepped on it or you stepped on it, but I just remember your planer board broke and he looked at me and he goes, that's what happens when you're fishing. You just break stuff. Like it's just part <laughs> of it. And you just, you gotta accept it. You can't get too wound up over it. I've learned that much. Like it's inevitable. Shit's going to break when you're out there. Yeah. 
It's, it's never, it's, some days <laughs> right. it's smooth. At least on my boat, I can tell you that something <laughs> always gets broken. <laughs> well, I'm learning quick. Oh, that's happening on mine too. It's like I'm losing baits and breaking stuff left and right. But man, so you guys, you know, how many years have you been going to St. Clair now? Because it's been a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. Our first trip on our own was in 2005. It was the first year that we went up. And uh, it was it was weird back then because you could only troll one rod per guy. And so me and Jim Walker went together. And so we each had one rod out and you could run a slider line, though. So you could at least have two lures out. But it was I don't know if you've ever ran a slider. It's more or less like a glorified 30 foot long, 35 foot long leader that you attach to your other, your, your main line. It's just a, it's the craziest setup because if you catch one on that, as you're reeling in, you come up to your first, like your main, your main lure that's on your, on your rod, you'll, you'll come up to that first. And then you got say 35 feet of slider line with another lure attached to it and your, you know, your fish is on there. You have to pull that last 35 feet in by hand. So it's a, it's a lot different way of fishing. I'm, I'm glad they went to allowing you to use two rods per person now. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Walker got that one, the one year it was crazy. He got, it was a 54 and three quarter on a slider line. And I mean, we had no idea it was that big at the time and, you know, until we measured it, but I mean, you could see it was definitely like a over 50 inch fish and just watching that fish that you could see it 10 feet down swimming back and forth. And Jim's, he's hanging on to the fishing line with his hand and like those Marlin clips, saltwater clips, the guys in the back. Yeah. He was laughing because as he got it closer to the boat, I'm realizing like, this isn't an easy way to net this fish because with a rod, at least you're able to put some tension on it and force it where you want trying to do it by hand. You can't. So I jumped up. Like I always keep the boat putting forward to keep the boards in line. I jumped up. I had one foot on the nine, nine and another foot on the 90 and I'm standing like leaning over and Jim's like, don't fall in. You know, he's yelling, he's trying to bring the fish in. I, I netted it from on top of the motors, but it was just a, it was, crazy it all worked out but yeah it's some i'm relieved that we don't have to use those sliders anymore those are horrible that sounds horrible mm-hmm. <laughs> it just does not sound very fun particularly with that big of a fish on wow that's crazy man things are different it's kind of interesting yeah. to hear how like things change too because mm-hmm. i i mean i take that for granted like we talked to the guys out in like Minnesota, you know, they tell you about like only being able to troll one rod per person and mm-hmm. you know, like Canada and stuff like that. And uh, man, I mean, even recently, like look at Ohio, you know, they just changed. Was that last year? They went from two to three, you know, it's like, feels like uh, things just are different. You know, go back 10 years and it's even more different than it is today. Yeah, it, it keeps changing. I mean, it's like Dale Wiley always says, like, because people will say the good old days and Dale hits a nail right on the head. Like the good old days are right now. Like the, the musky fishing right now is the best I think it's ever been around here. I mean, I know they had the heyday at Pima Tooming years ago where they were getting a lot of big fish, but they were not getting the numbers that they're getting now. And uh, I just think the catch and release has done a lot this stocking program's unbelievable this is 
like really, really taken off in the right direction for us. And then all the gear that we use now too is you're not using a Mitchell 300 and a glorified bass rod with 20 pound mono and fighting a fish longer than you should. I mean, you do hog a fish in, but you're not stressing them out by fighting them for 10 minutes. And uh, the nets are better now and you got boga grips and people were cutting hooks instead of just ripping them out of their face and people were actually releasing them instead of beating them with a club. So it's, it's mm -hmm. everything right now is better. So it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's a good time right now. I but think that's what's that. I don't that's... know. Something, something tells me the beating them with a club might've been the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I wish I was born in that era. <laughs> mm. <laughs> i think that's too like why well, that's why we're seeing so much growth around here too you know because like it's i think it's a fair assessment to say that most fishermen i don't want to say it like this to, to sound negative about it but i feel like a lot of guys want it easy you know they just want to go out they don't want to put the time and they want to go out and catch a big fish you know, and like the numbers that we have now with the stocking, it kind of makes it a little bit more conducive to that, but they're still muskies, you know, you guys oh, still, yeah. still got to put your time in on them. But yeah. And it's, it's everywhere is different too. Like, like you'll hear guys like though, some people will frown that like I've had, I've had people at shows come up to me and be like, Oh, you catch easy fish at St. Clair. It's a muskie. I don't care if it's a muskie at, in your farm pond, like if you stocked one in a farm mm -hmm. pond, it's uh, that's a muskie, no different than it is a muskie at Pimatuming as it is at St. Clair, as it is at Lake of the Woods. It's a muskie. Um, there's more muskie at St. Clair. So I, I don't know what to tell you. It's, it's like archery hunting. You can archery hunt right here where I live or go to Iowa and your chances of shooting a giant buck are way way better in iowa so your chances of getting a giant fish are way better at st Clair. and i want to go I, I enjoy fishing st Clair, and I, I like to try to you know try to get nice fish and that's where they're at so it's i like to try to put some time in there but it's it's funny when you, you'll talk to some guys at the shows and they sometimes people want to want try to pick apart what you do and it's yeah it's it's i don't know i think they in a in a way they want to talk it down because they don't they don't want to go to st Clair, or they may not might not even have the boat for it you know um but it's it's still like you you get up there you, you could have you could have a zero day you could have a mm -hmm. one fish day you could have like our, our best day was a 36 fish day. Um, you could hit every part of the spectrum. And we've had weeks where our average, I can't remember, I got the book over here. I think we had 100 and, 125 or 129 fish week. But you could also go up there and have a horrible week. I mean, it, it's all all weather and, you know, you can be on the, it's dis disappointing when you know that you're on the best lake in the world for muskie. And you're really, really struggling to get one in the boat. You're wondering, like, what am I doing wrong? And it's <laughs> that's why I say it. It's 
those are musky in there. Same as what they are at Lake Arthur and Pomatuming and everywhere else. They're a finicky fish that they're just not simple to catch. It's just there's more of them in that lake. You know, this 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 is one that blows my mind because I want to get into some St. Clair stories since we're talking about St. Clair still. And I know I know Nate's gonna appreciate Naughty Girl. So we're gonna we'll get oh, into geez. that. But 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 you know, like I, I had the opportunity to go fish St. Clair with you last year and uh like super pumped to do that again. Uh but you know, like thinking about I think the level of experience. Right. And this, this will hold true, like no matter what body of water you're on, like, you know, Donnie might have his specific lake that he goes and catches fish and I go out, you know, we get a muskie and I'm fired up because I don't have that level of experience. Right. So my expectations are just different than somebody that's been out there doing it, you know, whatever, if it's longer or if it's just more experience on that body of water, whatever it is. You know, and I kind of looked at our St. Clair trip like, man, like I fished here one time in my life and Dano and I went up and we we were on the struggle bus, man. We, we were able to catch some pike and stuff, but it was just a different experience, you know, and it, it, it was like my expectations are like if I can see a muskie in two or three days, like that's to me a really good trip. But I've never experienced the 32, 36 fish day up there, you know, so I, it, I thought it was interesting because I my expectations for St. Clair was just like, man, I'm just super pumped to go fish with you guys and have fun and be out there and see it. And even like the watercolor, you know, you guys talk about that, like that lake, the watercolor changes depending upon where you're at. Like, it's just wild to see it. So there's all these other like aspects that I just didn't have experience with. You know, we went up, we've what, we fished for three days, right? Two yeah. and a half, three days. <clears throat> yep. I can't remember how many fish we ended. Was it seven or eight fish? Yeah, we didn't, we did not do, we didn't catch many fish, but we were fighting. I think though we had winds out of the Northwest at 14 to 18 mile an hour. So it yeah. was, that's just, that's not a, a great recipe, but I, I had a lot of that was on me. I had trouble finding the fish, but I mean, we got, we did get some, but we didn't pound them. See, and I, I left St. Clair thinking, man, this was amazing. Like this was like a, a, like a life altering fishing experience because I mean, you, I mean, I can't tell you how many articles I read about St. Clair. And one of the things I always wanted to do, like, since I got into this was like hold a spotted muskie just because I've never seen one in person. And, and it was just one of those things. Like the first fish we netted was a spotted and I was just like totally blown away. So it's just kind of funny how you can go. And I, I thought we had a great trip, like fish wise and it was funny because the whole time on the boat, Todd's like, man, I can't find these fish, man, what's going on? And just completely like second guessing, you know, different things. And it just, I don't know. It's so crazy to me, like how you, just experience in itself can change your expectations for a fishing trip, you know? Oh yeah. But that trip was a lot of fun. That was a crazy trip. That was, yeah. uh, that, that, that was one of the funnier trips because i we i think we laughed the whole entire time oh never like everything that we did i think was funny but it was <laughs> i don't know that i'll launch out of detroit again <laughs> it was it was interesting we we get up there and we get to the launch and there was like nobody at this launch 
And there was like a sign on the door that was like, you got to pay X whatever to launch. And then they had all this stuff about being in before dark. And it was like, we, you know, it's just like we got there the first time and I have no idea what's going on. We were trying to figure all that out. We get out on the water. I think the second day we ended up at the marina, right? Was that the second day or was that the tail end of uh, the first we, day? That first day, because remember, we were getting ready to put the boat in. I guess we got to tell everybody is I'd never launched out of Detroit. All the years of fishing St. Clair, I always fished out of Canada. Like we would go into Bell River and launch from there. So this was the first time ever having to launch in Detroit and try to go. And the the spot he was just talking about, the launches close. I can't remember if it's seven o'clock in the evening or so, it's early, whatever it is. It's it's well before dark. And you have to be out of that parking lot at that time or they lock the gate and you're in there for the rest of the night. So we had, we sort of scrambled and found that marina uh, next door that we could leave the boat for the couple of days that we were there. But remember, they wouldn't let us leave the trailer. So we yeah. had to bring the trailer back to the room with us. Yeah, that yeah, I, for, I kind of forgot about that. But now that I'm realizing like. So there was just like all this stuff and I can remember like we launched, we, we were set up in the Marina. We launched, there was like nobody there at this Marina and we come pulling in there the first night and it was like the entire place was alive. There was like, I felt like there were hundreds of people there, like hanging out on boats, like partying, drinking, playing music. And it was just like, not what I expected to pull in there. And was that the first night we had, the guy that came up to us about the, the fish heads. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first night we had this guy come up to us. was like, would you guys, did you catch anything? So I was like, yeah, we got a couple muskies. And he's like, I think his exact words were, did you eat it? Did you bring it in to eat it? Like, no, we let him go. And this dude got ramped. Like he was immediately on the defensive. Like you got to eat them damn muskies. Like he's going off on us telling us about how he goes over to the guys that are cleaning, cleaning fish, like at, at the marina, like asking them for fish heads to take home for soup. You know, it was just like one of those things where <laughs> like you, it's just one of those things that like started the trip. You're like, wow. Yeah, that guy was he was intense. He was intense. I didn't know what he was doing at first, because when he come over to the boat, he like was walking pretty direct right towards our boat. And I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> and he walks up and he's like, where are they at? And I'm like, what? And he's like, where's the fish? I'm like, oh, we let him go. What'd you do that for? Yeah, <laughs> exactly it. And then we got our first experience with what we're going to call, and we're not going to give extreme details on any of this stuff, but there was a specific boat that had, if I, if I remember this correctly, there was a fairly, I, I'm going to say he was a bigger dude sitting on the top of this boat with a captain hat. <laughs> and he had he had girls all around him. Like at one point, I feel like it was the first night or the second night. And was that the boat that was named Naughty Girl, or was that a different boat? I think I think that one was down a couple. His okay. was um, his was the Skipper. It was the Skipper. It said the Skipper. The Skipper. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I like that. But it, it looked like a a bar because he had all them. Remember all them bottles of booze that. Uh, oh yeah. 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 So Are you sure was, this wasn't Tony Grant? 
<laughs> so I'm here, a big guy, a lot of girls, <laughs> lots of booze. It, 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 uh, it, I just remember like walking through the marina that first night and we talked to like a half dozen people and every single conversation was amazing. Like it was insane. It, it was, I was <laughs> laughing when we pulled in because I, like where we usually launch at in Canada, it's nothing at all like this. It's just a launch. This one here, you're pulling into like, I don't mean, how many boats they had docked there. I mean, hundreds of boats docked there. And I, I could hear music playing. And it's not even dawning on me that we're pulling into like, it's almost like all the boats that were there were their cottage. <laughs> it was like they everybody there was partying on their boats. I don't even know that those boats ever left the dock. And uh, yeah, we pulled in. It was, it was actually funny like to, to see everybody's sitting there drinking, having a good time talking. And yeah, there was like no problems. It was just totally different than what I thought. Like I, I never expected that when we were pulling in. Yeah, it was, it was something, man. And it, it just kind of funny because like it literally was dead when we pulled in there that morning and there were just hundreds of people there like chilling and just <laughs> hanging out and drinking and everybody was like sharing drinks and stuff. It was wild. <laughs> you guys got there right after the party ended the first night then when there was nobody there that was after everything that was had wound that, out. that was that morning when we that's what i mean that was yeah. probably right after the party shut down that night oh uh, yeah probably yeah, everybody that's was crashed yeah so so then we was that the first night we pulled out and ended up having to pull off because of a yeah. flat tire so yeah, that was I had, the, the, I had the trailer still attached yeah that night that's right so we pull out like literally right out of the marina and we end up with a flat tire on the truck. It was a truck, yeah, right? Yeah, it was, was a truck. It, yeah, it was it wasn't it was yeah, it was losing air and it was like what quarter to twelve at night. Yeah, we, we ended up there was like a like a like a shopping plaza that was closed. Remember we pulled in there and yeah, it was funny because I'm thinking like, I don't know what's around here, but I'm not getting mugged and I'm going to pull in the center of this parking lot underneath these lights where we can see the whole way around us. And we'll, I have one of them little air pumps. I'll put some air in the tire and we can get on our way and tell them what we've seen as soon as we pulled into the parking lot. So we get out and this <laughs> giant rat comes running across <laughs> the parking lot, like a behemoth rat. <laughs> It's like a, it's a good start. Welcome to Detroit. Yeah. We made a was, to make what's that? Go ahead. Go ahead, Tom. It was just funny because when we seen that, it was like we pull in. I get stopped. I figured, oh, we'll, I'll throw air in this and we'll at least get on our way, get back to our room. And I just had one of them little junky air pumps that you plug into your cigarette lighter. It starts running and right in the middle. I don't know if it fried or what, but it just burned up. It was done. So we have no way of getting air in the tire. And then them guys are looking on the phone, trying to even find like a convenience store so that we could pull in and get air. And it was, I think, like a couple blocks away, if I yeah, remember right. Yeah, it was a couple blocks. We we go pulling into that, and it's just a lot of, 
there was a lot of sales going on outside when we were pulling in, if I could say it the right way. It was literally <laughs> the business was booming. Yeah. Dude, it was the shadiest gas station I've ever like we we went in and like I, I remember going in to get like change for the air, for the pump for the air. And like, you know, you're walking to like a convenience store and like everything is locked down. Like the cashiers like behind like four like layers of yes, like four <laughs> layers of bulletproof glass. And like <laughs> there was I mean, there was drug sales going on outside. It was just like the uh, it was unbelievable. And it's like midnight at this point. We're fighting, you know, with this tire. And man, I can't remember how long we were there for, but it felt like a while. We were a long time because I remember the one lady. We all had money in our pocket because we hadn't even gone to our room yet. We were still, we pretty much got there to go fishing, fished all day, and we're going to head back to the room. And I know I, I don't know how much money I had in my pocket. I, I had several hundred dollars in cash with me. And you're looking around as people were walking up asking you for money. And married yeah, one lady yeah. kept asking for money, asking for money. And I'm like, I, I can't get out my wallet because... I don't want anybody to see what I have. And so I'm trying to tell her I don't have any money. And uh, I don't know. Did you, I think Brian or Chris, you, I you gave Chris? her, I gave her $2 to basically leave us alone while we dealt with this tire. But she goes back over to Todd. She asks him again. And he's like, I, I don't remember if you guys just said no. And she literally gets like the stern, the, the most stern look on your face you could ever get. And she looks at him and she goes, all I wanted was a dollar. <laughs> like she got it, all irritated about it it was funny because we're way we had to pull in to get air and i have that trailer i'm like almost like jackknifed i'm like turned pretty hard and a car pulls in now even if we wanted to leave we can't even pull out and i'm like you know what let's just change the tire while we're here i go to get that little like the jack and everything that thing that goes in the back of the truck to wind your tire down and my tire will not my spare tire will not release from below the, the truck so go back into the store buy uh that what fix a flat or something like that spray that in put more money in for air pump the tire up and that lady she just keeps coming back on her cell phone and i'm like <laughs> thinking that sooner or later we're in it we're gonna get mugged and i'm looking around thinking do I have anything in this car in case that we have a problem? <laughs> the only thing I had was a hammer. <laughs> so I, get it out grips. Like, I looked and at looked them guys. I'm like, this is the only thing we got <laughs> is a hammer. <laughs> Dude, it was, and honestly, like I've been around enough areas, but that one was like, I think we were all a little nervous that night. And then to make matters worse, we finally get out of the gas station. It's like one in the morning. And you guys know, like when you're on fix a flat, like particularly through Detroit, like you just want to get on the highway and get back to where you're going. Like you don't want to make a wrong turn, right? Like you guys ever been in that situation? Like Nate, like you're just, you got to get somewhere and not have yeah. anything happen. Yeah. What's the first get thing get we out. do? The GPS locks up. Oh. <laughs> as we're, as we're leaving the GPS locks up and we make a wrong turn. <laughs> into this this other area that was like one-way road too yeah so we're on a one-way road and I, all i remember is todd's like enough of this and just turns the whole truck and trailer around we go like around this loop back up this road go one way 
and get on the get on the uh whatever interstate that was to head back up towards our hotel. It was like <laughs> dude, after just that whole night and like the whole scenario, it was just like not what we needed to make a wrong turn there. <laughs> Did you say that was day one? That was yep. day one. That's a lot. That's a lot of day one. Then you should have seen day two. That was <laughs> yeah, yeah, it so. actually got better after that, but that the first day, it was like you you couldn't have scripted it to go any more crazy than it did. No, it was insane. Like we even had like issues getting into the marina. Remember, they were like trying to we had to fill out some kind of thing online and we had to wait for the reservation and all this stuff. Like it was just it was one thing after another. And somehow we still managed to put like fish in the bag that day, make it back to the hotel and just like basically decompress and collapse. It was like, yeah, I remember the first thing we did, we walked into the room. It was like, we all had to have a drink. <laughs> it was yeah, like, it was the first thing. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that was wild. So that, that trip was, I mean, it was just like nonstop things happening and laughing. It was one of the most, like, it was probably one of the most fun trips I've ever been on. And it just, it was just people that we met and talked to like crazy, just things happening, you know, not really like that was my first time really in like the Detroit area. And it just, man, it was different. Is that your only, is that your only time ever going to be in Detroit? I probably won't go back. I feel bad saying that for the people of Detroit, but I will not go back. Yeah. I don't think I will either. (laughs) Yeah. That was I don't know how the guys I think a lot of those guys go from like the St. St. Clair Shore area, but they have a yearly slip for their boat so they can go in and out as they want. We we just didn't have that option. And I think with all the stuff with COVID the last couple of years, the one guy was telling me different marinas had closed. So we just didn't have options to to go a lot of different directions there. And that's pretty much what we had, but I don't want to, anybody listening to this that's never been to St. Clair. I'm not saying do not go to Detroit. Don't like that was just our experience. You might go there and have a great experience, but I'm not going to have that experience again. I'll go, I'll drive across <laughs> into Windsor and put in in the Bell River area and not get mugged. <laughs> Dude, it was wild. But yeah, that was, uh, that was St. Clair in a nutshell. I got to hold my first spotted muskie and we got a couple really good fish on that one. It was yeah, fun. We, had, we hit, I mean, I, we did hit some, some bad weather with the waves and stuff. I remember like, I think each day we even quit a little early just cause we knew we had like an hour motor and get back to where we had to you know, back to the Marina. <laughs> but it, I don't know. It's you, you could hit St. Clair. You, you could hit, days where that lake is as flat as your swimming pool you could hit other days where you're not going to fish you might have five footers or something and you're just not going to get out that's wild i remember chris bought you the the skipper hat after yeah. that trip so when you guys are out there and you see todd todd driving his boat he's going to be wearing a, a big captain's hat <laughs> that's you know how jules our president that's that's my skipper, skipper. right there. Yeah, the skipper. <laughs> the, oh, the captain, skipper. my captain. <laughs> exactly. Ryan, you're well, gonna request a uh, a custom painted lure up. Parking lot rat. Parking lot rat. There you go. Brown, brown Ooh. with a pink tail. Ooh, I'm gonna catch something on him up here. 
Yeah, that's uh, Todd's definitely the one with all the 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 colors and the patterns and stuff. Well, that's <laughs> that's a great segue right there. At an hour and a half, should we talk some lords now? Yep. Should we, yeah. Ryan? Yeah, we or can we get into that. So we're allowed. Go ahead, Tom. Where do you want to go with the lures? Oh no, I was just I just figured that's a good little transition there into from the Saint Clair stuff into the lore making. I mean, where do we even start with that? We're talking to like Pennsylvania is one of the most legendary lore makers. How do you even begin there? Well, we kind of talked about like some of the stuff you you started with, like the hogs and the you know, then you got to the shalas and then so what like you fish shalas for a long time, right? Like you were making yeah. those and fishing them. Like what what prompted you to get towards like the mojo series? Um, just just a different swimming action. The Shayla Shad, I mean that that has we caught so many musky on Shayla's when like on those trips I was telling you with like Jim Walker when we were first going to St. Clair. Uh and even the early trips with Lori and them, um, that's all we ran. If we had six rods out, it was six Shayla shads, just different colors. Um I just was trying to get something that when I switched and made the mojo. I wanted to get something that had a little bit more aggressive, a little more aggressive swimming action and a little different depth. And uh, I wanted to stick with like a shad looking body. And yeah, so I, I screwed around with that plug for, I think I had that lure made for about two years before I was actually selling it. Cause we kept tweaking it. And uh, that, that lure, I, that's honestly probably our most consistent lure now say out of everything that we make that's that's if i was going to tell anybody I, I wouldn't care what lake you were going to that if you were going to try one of my lures that would be the first one i would put on as a mojo and that's kind of what i think of when i th- i mean i'm kind of new to the whole sport but like when i think leo lures i think the mojo so it's kind of cool to hear that that kind of came last right i mean that's yeah it's one of the later yeah, yeah later lures yeah it's huh. it's that was my first one that I went back to using a Lexan lip. Everything else before that, like when I first started, I used I made some with Lexan lips and then I quit. Hmm. <clears throat> I went everything with a metal, like a stainless diving lip. And then when I made the mojo, I wanted to use a Lexan lip again with the wire through it. And um yeah, that was the, the start of that. And then we got, you know, a magnum after that. Yeah, so that I mean. And that's kind of where I picked up, you know, like I started with a couple Shayla's, but really started with the mojos like the last couple of years, mm-hmm. but like you got all these other lures too. Like we, we didn't even really talk about your jerk baits a little bit with the, with the Latiano stuff, but you know, like one of the baits that I was really interested this year was the hog, you know, like how yeah. long have you been, you know, work, how long have you been fishing with the hogs and like, what are their applications? Yeah, hogs, like I said, those were made back. I started making those back in the, I don't even remember the exact year for a hog, but I would guess around 1994, 94, 95 is probably when I first started making them. And that, for a while, that was that was my number one lure at Lake Arthur when we would go. It was red bar perch, yellow belly. Um, you know, that was, if I was going to troll at Lake Arthur, that was what I was probably going to put out was a hog. And the same, we went up to Pigeon Lake. Uh, I would use a lot of like riffle runners and uh, musky dogs. But if we went over to Sturgeon Lake for some reason, 
the bigger baits were working better and we would put hogs out the whole time. So I have a weird question for you about the hog. Do you know anyone that night fishes that, like casting? No, Because no, I, I don't. we had Tyler, Tyler Andrews, Ryan had just given him one of his hogs at our little spring fling, and Tyler was kind of chucking it around in the boat with me. And I was watching it and kind of playing with it. And on a real slow retrieve, you can kind of work it like a topwater almost, like a hog wobbler. And I'm like, I kind of, I told Ryan, I kind of want to get my hands on an all black one for night fishing. I think Mm that could be a killer night bait. I don't, I really don't know a whole lot of guys that, that night fish. I mean, like my brother, I remember the one year we were at Chautauqua and we had been casting, we casted for hours and I was like, you know what? We had a couple of nice fish follow in and I was like, you know what, let's make a couple, like take a break and let's make a couple trolling passes through here and we'll eat and then we'll go back and start casting. And Sean, he's like, I'm going to, I'll put a hog on it. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think it was a bumblebee colored hog and he had it on his trolling rod and he just like flung it out and was reeling it in before we started trolling. And this big muskie come flying up behind it. It didn't grab it, but it followed it right to the boat. And he's like, had like a three foot leader. He couldn't even really do a good figure eight or anything. And, but I mean, we made, we probably made 50 passes through there trolling thinking we're going to get it. And we never did. <laughs> well, I mean, on like a, just like slow retrieve, it just, it walked like just the same action that it has as what it would dive, but it just does it on the surface real slow. Yeah. And it kind of clacks like a, it's, mm-hmm. Oh, I got to get one. I got to get a black one. Yeah. They do have a good swimming action. Yeah. Yeah, I was excited cool. about this. I was curious about that. Yeah, I got my hands on a couple of those this year. Yeah, you got, I remember you got a flow perch and you got a couple of them, didn't you? Yeah, I got a flow and a $9. Okay. Yeah. yeah I haven't those... got them wet yet, but I'm thinking it's getting close to be about that time. I might have to give them a run here. Maybe this weekend for the tournament. Oh, yeah. I ran one at Cannon Dota. I had all Did the stops. Oh yeah. I had all the stops out. I'm I'm ready to go with those. Like one of the things, like I don't have a riffle runner. Like I don't have even a a, a dog either. Like so but what are you doing? You better get one. Well, I'm just asking My first, like first uh oh, sorry, Ryan. <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just say this is actually be pretty cool to share with Todd. Uh my first experience with the Leo Lore uh musky was on a riffle runner at lake of the woods Uh, i didn't i didn't catch it myself but when me dave and josh went to lake of the woods in 2019 i actually personally didn't own any leo lures yet uh but josh had a few that he picked up i think at the show from you or or from the swap i'm not 100 percent sure but we did a mix of a lot of casting and trolling on that trip we we caught a bunch of pike and a few muskies we we honestly we didn't do fare too well uh but we also really didn't know what the hell we were doing but uh, new body we, of water yeah we caught a few fish dave caught a 50 which was pretty awesome but anyway uh the, josh had not caught a muskie yet and uh it was the last day of the trip it was a four day trip and we were kind of all a little beat down we were in the we're just going to troll it out from here mode and hope we catch another fish and it was in i think 
it was definitely within the last two hours of when we were going to have to get off the water in the last day. And I feel like it was more like in the last hour, but uh, we were trolling around this point and Josh had a, a Tamarack pattern riffle runner out. Like I think like 20 feet back on the side rod there. So it was, you know, it's just run one rod a person, but that thing went off and he caught like a 39 inch muskie, but that was his only muskie of the trip. So it made his trip and it was really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I've never got to go to Lake of the Woods yet. So Tamarack too, huh? Yeah, it was the Tamarack pattern. We would always run the riffle runners. It's funny because like when I first started trolling, we didn't even we didn't even have line counters. Like we just used like a pen reel. We just counted how many wraps a line you, you know, went out and but a riffle runner, I would run right off the corner of the boat and I would look back and I would just look at like how many wakes back. I'd I'd try to go like two two back and get that riffle runner right on the edge where it was almost like because they don't run very deep as you're trolling, it would almost like get sucked into the prop wash and back out every once in a while. I try to ride it like right. I try to reel it up just perfect where it was like getting sucked in and out every once in a while. Hmm. That was pretty consistent, especially like up at like Pigeon Lake and stuff when you're going over like different weed areas. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Cause you got, you know, the mojos and the mags go a little bit deeper, but some of that other stuff stays pretty high. Like Shalos run pretty shallow, right? Yeah, yeah, they run really shallow, and yeah, it's that's like like I was saying with Saint Clair, we would we would run the Shayla shads a lot. I mean, I run them around here too, but Saint Clair, I'd be running those high, and then the Mojos, you're getting them down a little bit deeper, so it's nice that you're covering two different depths. Yeah, we know Ryan Elizondo, our. Uh... Our uh, correspondent from Washington State's been getting them on shalos this spring. Mm-hmm. He, he yeah, apparently, he I didn't even realize before I talked to him, he run, he's run he been running shalos out there for a while. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, he sent me a few pictures. Yeah. yeah it's nice. He's getting tigers. It's mm-hmm. pretty neat. Yeah, that's cool stuff there. What else do you guys have on the lures? Speaking, I mean, of, a- speaking of lots of lures, I have a rumor we have to confirm real quick. How many lures did you bring to Muskie Max, Todd? <laughs> Roughly. Uh, I should have it written down in here somewhere, but I had um, over 800. I think it was like 8, <laughs> oh my 8, God. 847 or something like that. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah, that's what so we heard about, eight 900. Yep. Yeah. Yes, did you sell I, I bring, out? No, no, I, I never, like, I bring so many lures that if, if I would sell out, it would be crazy. <laughs> that would be pretty darn impressive if you i just had. i you guys know how many different colors that i have so it's it's mm-hmm. hard to hard to not bring a lot of lures because usually at that at musky max i'm trying to you get a lot of people that that probably don't stop here right at my shop and that's the best place for them to see in hand like a lot of the colors that they otherwise are looking at a website and mm-hmm. i don't care how good your pictures are they never look like exactly like what the real lure mm-hmm. looks like in front of you so i try to try to have pretty much every one of my colors if i can on on display there for people to see and i know like this year i think like in mojos i want to say we had i think it was like 117 colors or something oh, like wow. that 115 colors but a year ago the year before 
I actually had more. I can't, I don't remember the total, but we had like every single color there. So do you stock a constant inventory on all those colors or do you just kind of make them to order? No, Or, no, I, uh, I, I pretty much have to make them to order just mm cause there's, there's, I have too many colors on my -hmm. website. Mm -hmm. I think, I think on custom colors, I want to say we have about 85 colors on our website and then Wow. there's about maybe 15 standard colors. So there's got to be close to a hundred colors you could look at right on our website. But then if you go on my Instagram, we're always posting new colors. So there's, but like in my shop, I, I would guess right now I might have a couple hundred lures on hand, but that's a mix between mojos, shalas, magnums, jerk baits. Yeah. I don't have a, it sounds like a lot, but it's not really that, that many lures on hand right now. Well, I kind of have a question going off the whole color thing. So I'm getting into the whole like soft plastic making thing. And I was wondering with so many colors, like how do you stay organized there? I mean, like, I guess you don't stalk them all at one time, but I mean, just how does your brain work in that regard? I mean, do you, are you going crazy trying to like keep them all organized or is it natural? Like I, You mean as far as like with orders? I mean, yeah. I mean like say someone like says, I want this, color number 70 whatever like do you have like a recipe for that or is it all in your head like an Yeah. old italian grandma like you just No. know or like No, my if I had to rely on my my brain, I would be in big trouble trying to remember all of it. I uh what I do is I have a <laughs> I should just grab them and give me one second. I'll yeah keep it on a little color chart. this is a good plug right now to go out to fishing pa with ryan reed and check out the lure the uh Yeah, the I know the what he's shop Well, that's tour kind of what list made me because think of it. Because I saw I, the video. yeah, I think I remember seeing something like that, like little posters. The Anybody? Leo Lure Instagram page is a thirst trap. Just a heads up. <laughs> You'll be you'll be sliding into DMs real quick. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's how they get you. Yeah, I have a problem. I had to put it on mute for a little bit. I was like, I can't. I was sweating, logging on, seeing po colors posted. I was like, shit, I need to fill I need up. that. Yeah. Need that. Need Oh, yeah. that. Yeah, you were asking about the, the thing with colors. What Yeah. I what I end up doing when I'm painting is I'll just write a, a piece of paper. I don't know if you can even see that, Yeah. but it, it says like this color says green marble. Mm-hmm. And I'll hang that on my peg hooks in here when I'm painting. Then on the back side, I'll have like a recipe of how I paint them, Oh, like how it okay. starts to finish. And With me doing so many different colors, I mean, I, I, I do remember the majority of them off the top of my head, but I still got to refer to these because there's sometimes there's like 11 different shades that go into them. And there's certain ones I know I'll forget. So I, I write it down pretty much in the order that I paint them and it just keeps keeps my head straight. <laughs> Because but as I mean, far consistency. as in, in, like inventorying them, I can't like I can't I can't keep that many on hand all the Uh time. huh. The consistency blows my mind, though. I mean, like you're talking all these different colors. Are you having to mix colors to like, or are they all just cut? Like you know, you're loading a color into an airbrush and going, or do you have to mix them specifically to get like your recipe? Like, how's that Some go down? of them, yeah, what Yeah. I do is I'll get like, uh, like a, I'll get, my wife will keep empty jars and certain colors, like certain greens and stuff like that, I'll mix them and then Before I'll have you mix a good, keep it. I'll have a good amount of it made up too. Nice. That way I don't have to mix it every time, but 
I don't even know how many colors I have in there of, geez, oh man, I've probably got 50 different colors that are set up ready to go. That's that's like my brain never worked that way until I started making rubber worms. So like you look at an orange and it's like, okay, that's orange. But then you start making things. It's like, is that really orange? Like you, you, you tell yourself like this color I'm making, it's white and orange. Okay. I'm going to make it again. You go back and you make that orange again. It's a different orange. Like it, yeah, it's, it's totally it, different. Like and you try to put that orange, you put it over white. It's one shade. You yeah. put it over yellow. It's a different uh -huh. shade. You put it over gold. It's a different shade. So it's you. So, yeah, that's how I, I that's how I keep track of like there's certain colors that I paint that I got to know what that base color is underneath or it's not going to come out the same. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, the cons that just blows my mind how consistent you have to be to make that many colors and and you know there are guys that if they're they're whatever perches off by like one shade of orange they're going to be pissed they're going to let you hear about it like that that's not my usual orange like I hear I hear it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I bet it's. And it's I gotta like be honestly, I like I, I try as hard as I can to make them as close as I possibly can. But when you're hand hand mixing them, I can't get a doubt in that close where it's I like a hundred percent identical. But it's as close as I can get it. At my skill, like I'm not the best paint mixer, but my mom, my mom did oil painting. I mean, she still does. She's done that for years, and she is awesome at mixing colors so if i have trouble like I, I might call her and be like i need army green and i'll tell her you know i have you know tell her what colors of green that i have i'm like what do i add to that to get this shade and she'll just like you know add a little bit of you know whatever it could be purple it could be red it could be you know mm. she'll tell me whatever color and it's like 99 percent of the time it's right on like i don't, I don't know how the heck she knows it but thank god resource. she does I know people say they don't like to have a, a favorite child. You have a favorite color that you're just like, you love making up, love painting, like just your, you'd really enjoy it every time. Or do you love um, all your children? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard because like, sometimes I'll get a, like, I sort of like painting the trout patterns. Like I like, like the brown trout and the rainbow trout. I always like look like as I'm doing them, you can just see them. How it's, how it's all working out it's actually going together but uh i just like screwing around with stuff like like that color i was just showing you that on that paper that green marble well that has a marble finish on it so it's just it's it's a different technique that i like to do sometimes because you're you're spraying the, the the back of it say black spray the marbleizer over it wrap saran wrap over it peel it off and you got your your marble finish so it's, it's just a neat one to look at, but sometimes when you get an order and you're painting a whole pile of them, it's not maybe as fun painting them as maybe doing one or two. <laughs> I think you do, I don't know, if you get a big order for one one color, it's, it's like monotonous sometimes doing that mm -hmm. same color over and over and over, where if you're only doing a couple of them, even though like sometimes in my paint booth, I might have 200 lures I'm painting in, at one time. And it's not 200 of the same color. I might have 20 or 30 different color patterns. And uh, some some guys I talk, uh, like other lure makers I talk to, they're like, I would hate that. Like, I wouldn't want to be changing colors so often. I enjoy it just because it breaks it up. It's, mm -hmm. it's going to be a super long day of painting and uh, just keep doing something different makes the time fly by.
when you're painting so many like that, like a hundred of the same color, uh, do you find that you're kind of improving the patterns or at this point, have you come so far, like nothing's ever going to change with the pattern or. Um, yeah, I think, I think you like certain ones you definitely get better at. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it like, I, I can only paint so good. Um, I, I look at some of these guys that just, just started they're painting unbelievable stuff i can't do um so i, I think it at my skill level <laughs> i might be maxed out right where i'm at right now that's this is probably about as good as i'm gonna get <laughs> and uh but like i said there, there's guys that are <clears throat> i would say i'm trying to think of some of the different ones that i've seen lately that like that DK has some really nice paint jobs that BR Bates up in Canada has some really good ones. I hate to even say names cause I'm leaving a whole bunch of people out, <laughs> but there's everybody has Evan shows has some really nice paint jobs. There's, there's just tons of tons of good paint jobs and their own techniques are in them. And it's yeah. Every, everybody puts their own little touch into them. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, see that. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> oh, yeah. does. Yeah. And it's it's funny, like, I know when I first started, like, making and painting lures and everything, my paint jobs were horrible. And uh, I think they've come a long ways from 1990 to now. But a lot of the credit, I think, for that goes, I think, like, Dale Wiley sort of set the mark in our whole area of, like, those were the nicest painted fishing lures that I probably had ever seen. I mean, I would see, we used to do like the Chicago muskie show and Milwaukee muskie show and stuff years ago, like in the nineties. And man, I, people listen to this, don't take this the wrong way, but I would see lures from other areas and it would be like a green, green belly and, you know, sides and a black back, hardly any clear coat and, I would think, man, Dale's paint job blows these things away. Like, like I, I need mine. Mine got to step up to get close to what Dale's doing. And it's not that I wasn't like Dale knows this too. I, I wasn't copying Dale. I just wanted to make my own paint jobs as good as Dale's. I mean, he, he set he the bar. Set, he yeah. set a heck of a standard there. And I'm glad he did because <clears throat> if he didn't, maybe all my paint jobs would be green with the black back or yellow with the black back <laughs> or something since so you get you get other guys that are better than you and do fancier paint jobs or fancier woodwork or something and you you got to up yours or you're you're left behind so it's you 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 change what you do and you try to get better that's why i do like like i was saying with that like that marble finish i was like hadn't seen anybody doing that i'll try the marble finish then we did that that web netting that looks like a crackle pattern. Uh, it was just there is other guys doing. I wasn't the first one doing that, but it was just a different technique. And then you see a lot of the guys now doing all the sponged, you know, bars and stuff. And I figured, you know what, that looks looks pretty neat. I don't know how to do it, but I'm gonna screw around with it. And so you're you're constantly changing and trying. Like I'm always trying to trying to do something better. Uh, to make them look better or make them swim better or hold up better. 
But yeah, you definitely don't want to get stuck where it's a, you made it one way for the past 30 years and you haven't made a change to it because it's, mm -hmm. it's just not going to keep going. But we talked about like the changes in fishing equipment. Have there been a lot of drastic changes in the way, like maybe your equipment that you use to paint or make your baits, or has that been pretty steady through the years? That probably hasn't like, hasn't changed. Uh, I've so used... you're not, you're not cutting blanks on robotic routers now and nope, all kind of no. fancy. Nope. I, uh, no, I cut everything like some bodies I'm cutting on band saws or the other ones I'm doing on a lathe. Uh, shaping on routers I mean, it's all pretty much been the same like my one lathe i've had from day one so it's <laughs> I, I have two lathes right now but uh like airbrushes i use all a lot of guys use pache i use badger i use a badger crescendo 175 and i have i think right now i have nine of them set up but <laughs> uh only reason i have that and when people were like why in the world would you have that many it's when I'm painting a whole bunch of lures, I know I'm going to be putting base coats on of like uh, white, chartreuse, yellow. Some some are starting out black because you have other coats going on top. I want to get all my base coats on and not stop. So I'll set all those base coats colors up and I can just keep going. It just it, it helps me with with time. Yeah. I mean, you're bringing 900 lures to a musky show. You better be good at production, I guess. Yeah. I got to be good at time management there. I think that's the one thing that I've got pretty good at is um, everything that I do is in bigger batches. Like I years ago, I would make 10 lures at a time, you know, something like that. But all the jigs that you have, like you have a jig set up for your, your whole locations for your eyes or where your all your... Uh, holes go for like your screws you're you're setting jigs up constantly so I, I have like four drill presses set up that some of them i leave set up with certain jigs that never come off of their other ones i'm constantly changing the jigs on them but once you have a jig set up where it's fine-tuned for your center line i want to drill all those lures out instead of i don't want to do 10 of them because it took me you know a little while to get set up so i might as well as make a batch of 100 or 200 of them while that's set up and you know get those all done it's just it's the the bigger batches it take longer to do but it helps you out in time on the other end because mm -hmm. you got your your setups i think that's awesome. cool because we, we we talk to a lot of lore makers and they're always looking i mean for tips on efficiency i'm sure and i mean you're kind of i kind of look at todd as like the god of efficiency i mean rolling up to the musky show with that many baits you gotta be like i said you you're doing something right so it, it's that and he never sleeps <laughs> that, that helps <laughs> yeah, yeah how don't. much how much time do you spend in the shop during the week are we allowed to ask um, that <laughs> yeah i mean i like honestly like like some people will ask me like how many days a week do you work i work every day like there's I don't, if I take a day off, it's honest, honestly, if I go fishing, but I don't know that I've ever taken a day off that I can remember. Like, I don't really do sick days. Like if I'm, I'd have to be really, really, really sick to not come out and work on a, on lures or do something like I'm going to do. So I, I can sit here and assemble if I'm sick, it doesn't matter. Um, Christmas day, Lori might be getting stuff ready. I'm going to run out to the shop for a couple hours while, you know, stuff's in the oven cooking. She don't need me inside. I'll run out, get some stuff done before company comes. 
I don't have a whole lot of days that I'm not doing something on lures other than, like I said, if we're, if we go fishing or if I go on a trip or something like that, but for the most part I'm out here, but for how many hours, hours a day, it, it varies. Like I might have days where I might only get an hour in the shop or two hours. Cause I had, we had a bunch of running to do, or I might be shipping lures. Like we might be mailing stuff out and I got to run, you know, to the post office and everything. And there's certain days I don't get a lot of hours. And then there's other days, most of the time I'm up by one thirty in the afternoon and working by two thirty, and I'll work right up till I leave for work. So it's, I'm, it's, quarter after 10 20 after 10 i'm finishing up out here and then going to work so it's i like ryan said i don't i don't sleep a ton <laughs> i probably average like five hours is probably about what i like if i if i would sleep seven hours i probably want 10 hours so it's if i for some reason if i do five i probably feel the best He's a Oof. machine, man. He's an absolute lore building machine. Nah, it's, it's, I just think it's, I, I enjoy it so much. Like if I, if I didn't enjoy it, there's no way I would be putting this many hours in. Like when I, you guys remember when I jacked my hand up a couple years ago, I was more sick of, when I was sitting in the hospital, I didn't know I was getting my finger amputated and stuff until the next day. When they, when the doctor come in and said that, uh, I was caught off guard so bad. First thing I thought was it wasn't that, oh my God, I'm losing my finger. It was like, am I going to be able to make lures? Because like that, to me, that's my life. That's, that's, that's what I, that's what I love doing. And it's, it's my, <clears throat> it's my right hand. So I'm thinking as much as I love airbrushing these lures, am I going to be able to <laughs> paint again and assemble a lure or anything like that? And it's luckily, as bad as that accident was, I I lost, you know, half of my pointer finger and my, my middle finger doesn't bend like the center, the main joint, but that accident, I should have lost all three fingers. So it's, it's as bad as it was. It's, it wasn't bad. It was, it, everything works. So I'm, I'm fine. But the initial thing, man, I was, I was literally sick thinking that it's, I might be done. And, and here you are putting out 857 lures at Muskie yeah. Max in 2023. <laughs> Gonna take more than a finger. Didn't even take a step back painting at all. <laughs> he won't agree with that, but if you guys look at his baits, there's not a single step backwards. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You'd never notice. So what, what else do we got here with the lures? Because I got one more story I want to tell. And we might be out of time. I might not get to ask the last question I have after that. Fire away, Ryan. All right. So I didn't, I haven't told this, I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet. And you guys know, like when I bought the boat and trying to settle in, like one of my really, like one of my three goals this year was to get, catch my dad as first muskie. Like that was like one of the top priorities. Like I, I look at this as, you know, having the boat now, being able to spend time with him out on the water and my brother and, you know, just be able to do it and create memories, you know, while I can. And I got to take my dad out the first time this year and it was kind of funny. Uh, we went up to Pima Tuning and Todd had pulled in, you know, right behind us. I was getting, getting the boat set up and I talked to Todd and 
like I made the comment, I was like, you know, he might catch his first muskie today and I hope it's on a Leo. So we are kind of just like, you know, BSing in the parking lot and, you know, we launch and everything. We get out there, we're on the water for a couple hours. Nothing's really going on. And I would say that was probably one of the tougher days too, like to be out with him because it was like bluebird. I can't remember if it was a total warm up that week, but you know, it just, we were struggling to find bait and I was like, trying to take everything I've learned from guys like Todd and, and Donnie and everything. And I'm just trying to put it together and get my dad a fish, you know, and I knew we kind of had limited time because he can't be out in the sun for more than a couple hours. You know, he's had some skin cancer issues and things like that. So we were, we were kind of like the, the tick, the clock was like ticking in my mind because I didn't know how long we were going to have. So we kind of pull into this one area and it was kind of funny because I just set up the graph to look, you know, to try to stay in a specific water depth and, like all of a sudden we started seeing bait and I was like, all right, this, you know, this might be good. And and I remember like we're trolling and my dad like pointed at the graph to like ask me if that was bait. And as soon as he like pointed, like the rod goes off and I like, it took me a second and you guys know how amped I get. It doesn't matter how big the fish is. It doesn't, it, none of that matters. Like immediately I turn and I see the fish like off the board and I just went, ballistic and I, I can remember like thinking really quick like I had just put that mojo out like right before we turned into that area I have a I have one specific mojo and a flow perch pattern that that thing just Donnie we caught a fish in the tournament a couple years ago on that bait that bait's been really good to me I've gotten some fish on it and I it has like a specific place in the spring on a board it's always like seven back like I just put it at seven and I was thinking to myself, I'm going to put it there. That rod goes off and I immediately think of my brain. I think that's that flow perch mojo. So after we, we go through a bunch of crazy stuff that happened and I put the video out there, but you guys didn't really get to see like the board dove on me. And you know how many times, like have you guys, I mean, I know Swinky, you've dealt with this, Todd, you've dealt with it, Tom, I'm sure you have at this point, like you get a fish on a board, like in that board dives, like you're, a lot of times you're screwed like because of the slack and i'm just thinking man this this thing is the board was completely under we couldn't get the board back up the fish was just push you know pulling away and i had to grab the rod off of him and like pull get the board up you know try to release the bail and like just get the board up enough to where he could reel because when i handed him the rod you can hear it in the video there was like a very strong expletive from my dad he was like holy F like he could, he could literally feel like he could feel the fish and the board was under and it was just like, here we go. So after I got the board up, I'm just like real. And I just remember like going through everything that you guys have taught me, like clearing down rods and getting stuff out of the way and prepping the net. And like, I'm just like going through like in my brain, this is the first time I ever had a muskie on in this boat by myself. And I'm like, there was just so much, so many things going through my brain we get that fish to the side of the boat. And if you watch the video, I botched the net job completely. I dunked the net and didn't hold the bag because I was so excited. And then I had to pull the bag back out of the water and then re-scoop. So once I did that, we got the fish in the bag. Like it's probably not all on the video, but I went absolutely nuts. And I looked down and I saw that flow perch and I was thinking, you got to be kidding me. Like this is, the first muskie in my boat is on that flow perch mojo. And that's my dad's first fish. And I couldn't, it was one of those things that I'll probably never forget. That was the first time he's ever seen a muskie in his life. 
first time he's ever got to hold one. You know, he talked about how slimy they were and all this. Thing. And, you know, my dad's not a musky fisherman. You know, he, he doesn't know how to hold these fish. And it was just, man, it was one of those things I'll never forget. And, you know, again, just like talking about the mojo and, and those lures, like you're not going to find a more consistent bait. Um, and I kind of look at them like almost like a user friendly type lure, too, because they're just so consistent at that wherever you put them, you know, you know, if you put 10 feet back, you're probably going to be two feet down. And, and a lot of the baits that I've had experience with, you know, that's not always the case. So it just, it was like this culmination of like completing a goal that I had set out, but getting to share that with my dad and then having it come on that, that bait, man, it was just, it was super special. And I'm, I was thankful for that. And, you know, Todd kind of helped us too at the ramp and, and gave us some information. And I think a lot of that kind of translates into, you know, building those relationships, but, you know, putting trust in, in something like that behind the boat to, to get it done, you know? So, man, it was cool. I'll, uh, that's going to be one of those things I think about all year. And if I don't catch another muskie the rest of this year, like it won't even matter. And, and that was just like one of those cool things that I, I wanted to try to talk about. And I was hoping to, to do that with Todd on, cause that was just a very special fish for us. So. Yeah, it was I, cool because you. I remember you called me right after you got that. Did and you you could tell, like in in your voice, you could tell how excited you were. And uh, yeah, it was just it was cool hearing that. And I was, I was happy that it was <laughs> being selfish. I was happy it was caught on one of my lures. I, I told you <laughs> at, the, at the dock. I was joking with you. I don't even know if you remember, but you guys were heading out, and I'm like, your dad's standing there. I'm like. This better be Leo's on her. I'm cutting your lines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, if I'm being completely honest with you, I had six rods on. I only had two mojos out at that point. So I was running, I was running other baits. I'm not afraid to admit it. I, I was running uh, other uh, baits, but, but you know, it's funny about that is like, it just comes back to that, that consistency. And I think really just the confidence, like to leave it out there, you know, and it's, it it just had to be that one just had to be that board that board line you know yeah it's that uh, out of all the lures i make like i said that's that's definitely the most consistent like if you're i don't care where you're at trolling that that lure will get bit but like for for years like i was telling you way earlier like i, I hardly ever even thought of trolling and it was pretty much just throwing a jerk bait the whole entire time. So it was two total ends of the spectrum on that, I guess. I was thinking about this earlier. Is Todd the first guest we've had that we've all caught fish on his lures? I know Ryan, yes. Me, yes. Donnie, yes. Nick, yes. Nate, maybe. No, not yet. Not yet. What about Owen? Come on, Nate. I want to watch the lures. I, Ryan and I are going out on Monday. We're going fishing on Monday. Oh, yeah. Fishing on Monday. Oh, heck yeah. It's good. And you bet, you can bet that there's going to be quite a few mojos in that spread. <laughs> we might actually cast, we might actually cast some jerk baits around a little bit too. We'll see. Well, after this is over, Todd, I'm serious. You're getting a message. Donnie likes to do this. He likes to order lures as the podcast is happening, but I kind of need a hog for night fishing this summer, so you're going to be hearing from me. Okay. I was thinking the same thing. I was That phone's itching. I can already feel it. <laughs> you're reaching for it as it's, yeah. 
<laughs> I got to wait at least like a week. I had a big package arrive at my house again today. I saw that again, he says. <laughs> Generous These package. Things have to uh, calm down a little bit. <laughs> I think the best part is that was the Waterwolf Mike package, and I ordered that like a month and a half ago. I forgot all about it. Ooh, a little surprise. Sometimes that's a good present when you yeah. see it sitting on the doorstep. So it takes a long time to get from Canada land. It's like opening a Christmas present. You don't even remember what it is. It's yeah. like a... That's a great day, dude. It was. <laughs> so what? Uh, what's next for, for the Leah parties? Are you, are you guys going to do some fishing here real soon? You just got yeah. a turkey. You just got a turkey. As I elegantly yeah. put it earlier, you were fishing for turkeys. Yeah, turkey that's, that's, it's, it's fun when... Like all fall, like leading up to the musky max from fall, winter, you know, leading into spring, it's like everything that you're doing is making lures for max plus other orders and stuff like that. When spring turkey season finally gets here, that's like a, it's a, it's a really nice break because it's, I'm, I'm doing something totally different. And I, I don't know, I love, I really love spring turkey season. And, um, it's a, it's a good break, but I'm, I got that, got my turkey out of the way. Joey got his and we're ready to start musky fishing here. I don't know if we'll get out this weekend or not, but after this weekend, we should be good. Doing some, some local fishing. There's a, there's another St. Clair trip planned for, I think early August. Yeah. I think it's, I don't remember what the dates are. It's I, first, first part of August. I know that. I think it's a, Third, fourth, and fifth, maybe. Are you going right. again, Ryan? That's the plan. That's the plan. Huh? That's the but plan. We're, but we're launching in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Won't have to have a hammer behind the seat or anything this time, and yeah, no mace. No, yeah, it'll be good. Maybe there might be a naughty girl there. You never know. Oh, geez, that was that was a crazy trip. <laughs> what do you I did want to tell you one thing. I, I, I get asked this a lot and um, a lot of people were like, oh, did your dad start? Was he who started Leo Lures? And it's my dad didn't. He didn't start it. But my dad was always from day one. My dad was a machinist. And so he knew how to run lathes and everything. And that's like I had no idea how to run a lathe. So my dad was the one that pretty much showed me everything on know how to turn the lures on a lathe and i mean he did all metal work but pretty much the you know if you can do metal you can do wood so but yeah he was the one that showed me everything on that and it was it was he was a big help from clear from the time i started making lures till he passed i mean he was running running my lathe for years and uh yeah just just his help and him getting if he wouldn't have got me into musky fishing, like you guys were asking earlier, like how early did you get into to fishing? I don't remember how little I was just getting into just fishing for anything, but musky, I know for sure I was five. Like I give my dad all the credit in the world for, you know, the patience of taking me and paddling my butt all over the place to, you know, cast where he said to cast and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's what like, all us as dads, that's what we all need to be doing. Take your take your kids out or your nephews or nieces or, you know, whoever. Get get somebody out there and 
get them on the water and spend the time with them. I mean, it doesn't doesn't even have to be a little kid. It could be your neighbor, you know, a friend. Get get somebody out there and uh, just like my dad was the least selfish person in the world. Like he he wanted wanted you catching the fish. He didn't didn't matter to him. He wanted to see you catch it, and that's I I think that's what all of us do too. You get get somebody in your boat. It's way better seeing somebody else reel that fish in than you like with what Ryan did with his dad it uh <clears throat> big probably more excitement for Ryan not not saying it wasn't exciting for his dad but is you know way way more exciting for Ryan seeing his dad reel that fish in and it's the same what my dad would have had with us when we were little or me when I was taking Joey and Shayla when they were real little it, and still today it's the same like anybody that I take in my boat I could care less if I reel any of them in. I, I usually let everybody else reel them in. And I, I, that's just part of the part of what I think a lot of the guys should do. And that's what they, they do do. It's, it's, there's, I, I can't say I've, I've fished with anybody that's, you know, been selfish about it there. Everybody's been, been great in trying to get, get the other guys involved and I probably want to mention one other thing is uh, like the clubs, like Three Rivers, Muskie's Inc. If anybody can join the clubs and uh, it's not even, you're going to get a lot of knowledge from the clubs, but you're going to meet some of your best friends probably that I know, like I met Jim Walker, Doug Duran, uh, just a lot of great people that I would have never met uh, is just through muskie fishing and the clubs and um, I don't know. I just think people, people should be joining, join, join your local club and support it. And, um, I'm probably bad right now because my membership ran out, but get signed back up. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I think that's, you know, Swinky and I met kind of outside of that more through like, I would say YouTube stuff, probably, you know, reaching out, but I know like Tom, you know, we met, Nate, I probably wouldn't have met you if it wasn't for these guys and, you know, just musky fishing. And, you know, I met Owen at the, at the club and, you know, there's just Charlie, Evan, all those guys, you know, that's like speaking to that. I, I mean, I'm a living example, you know, of how the clubs can benefit you, how you can meet really, you know, awesome people and establish these friendships, you know, and it's, yeah. I it's think that's all the majority of my friends are all met through like that, like through either meeting them at a dock or, at a show or through the club or something like that. If I, if I probably didn't make lures, I'd probably have like five friends. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's, you definitely, definitely meet a lot more people. And just by being members of the club and going to the shows and, you know, talking to people at the, when you're out fishing. Well, technically, Ryan, we met in the aisles at Gander Mountain, a true love story. But That's true. That is true. The club. Yes. That was kind of funny. I was walking through and I hear, hey, Ryan Reed. And I'm like, what? Well, from four aisles over, I hear, hey, Inge guys, he's talking to Dan the man about some shit on sale. And I'm like, that's Ryan Reed talking over there. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> I head around and sure enough, there's Dan the man and Ryan at Gander Mountain in real life for the first time ever. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. We've, we've got that, that Dan, I he came to my booth so many times, even at like the Butler show, but I never knew his name for the longest time. 
he would just come in and BS a little bit, buy some lures. And it was like the next year he's here again. The next year he's here again. <laughs> it's like, yeah, does that, been, I don't does know how many it, years Dan's been in it, but he's definitely been, been doing it for a while. Oh yeah. He's been out there musky fishing for a long time and he's taught me a lot. And uh, would you say if you had to, well, this might be a terrible question for multiple reasons. I, I always look at, I look at Dan's collection of Leo's and I have to think to myself, he has to be like the top Leo lures fan. I'd I think, say he probably is. Yeah. Could I think be. he has currently, and I don't want to get him in trouble, but I think he currently five. has. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He has five. He's got well over five. I can tell you that. I always uh, laugh because I'll, I'll, if I post a, a lot of times I'll throw something on Instagram to show like a new color that I do. And there's so many times that he'll be like, send me a message. I need a mojo and a magnum. You yeah. Know? And I'll, I'll be like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <It's> good. He, <laughs> I get messages. He'd be like, did you see that new color Leo put out on Instagram? I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw it. He's like, yeah, I got one in a bag. <laughs> I love them to death. I love them to death. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. There's a, that's all part of it too. You know, we, we have our addictions and some of that is collecting lures and fishing lures and using them. And, you know, next time around, I'm going to get some time to talk to you about your, your new, I'm going to call it an addiction. Oh yeah. You're we'll save that for next time. Maybe. Yeah, that's that's my wife thinks. She said, if there's a lure collector's anonymous, I'm going to be going to it. <laughs> I, I never swap, collected lures. Swap there. <laughs> yeah, I, I never collected old antique lures at all these years. I've painted them for guys and a good friend of mine, Tony Pizzuti, he's been a lure collector for years and years and years. And he would bring like old beat up ones to me and he'd have the paint stripped off of them and have me refinish them for them. And I mean, I've done that since the 1990s for him. And then finally this past year or this, this year, he had brought some over and I'm looking at how like just intrigued by the old, old lures, the way they were built. And I, I was like, you know what? I got to start collecting some of these old lures. And uh, so I've been on eBay and auctions and driving around, just trying to find old, like, I really like the old Creek Chub, different types of like the dingbats and dingers and uh, I don't know. I just, a lot of the old lures I like. I don't want to say just one, but um, collecting them and I'm, it's like every week it seems like I'm getting more and more in my wife. I think uh, <laughs> she she's maybe right on the edge of cracking. She said that um, she's like, most people collect stuff for 20, 30 years. She goes, not like you don't have to have a whole collection in like two or three months. So. <laughs> That's quite the collection you've, you've uh, established over there already. I've been seeing all the posts and man, it's cool. It's cool to have to do that though. You know, it's weird I, because I, like I said before, I'm like, I, 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 I never collected really hardly anything. I can't, there's nothing that I was excited about collecting. And then I start doing this and it's like, I don't know. I found, found the one thing that one thing that like sort of drives you bonkers. And it's like, just like searching for certain, certain old lures and trying to find them. 
Yeah, it's like it's almost like it's like a game or something like that. Oh, yeah. So I'm definitely hooked on it. <laughs> did you get a, a LeBouf creeper yet? I've been I'm always looking in your post for one of those. Nah. No. Nah. I've I've been trying to get the the one type I want to get like all of the colors in if I can is uh <clears throat> the creek chub. They make different size dingbats, different size dingers, and then they make like surf, like a surface dingbat and a plunking ding dingbat or dinger. Uh, those are the ones I'm probably going to get the most colors of. And then everything else that I get is pretty much just going to be getting, try to just get like one of certain types just so I have like a representation of it. And uh, yeah, it's just, Next thing I got to do is Joey's supposed to make me some type of like a wall mount, like a display unit for him because I got a big cluster of them hanging on peg hooks right now. Yeah, it looks <laughs> horrible. <laughs> That's another plug we got to hit at the end of this too. You know, you need any custom uh, woodworking done, built-ins. And I saw he was doing a bar at one point and all, all sorts of stuff. Joey's got a little woodworking business there. <laughs> runs in the blood yeah he does does all custom kitchen cabinets and repaints cabinets and yeah about pretty much any type of woodwork he'll do yeah that's awesome it's cool what to else? see it getting passed down the line yeah it's... yeah it was do you think he has any interest in building lures you know what i i hope he does he'll yeah. come up and he'll, he'll run the lathe every once in a while and he painted lures like one time he would come, come in and did the air, you know, airbrushed the lure and stuff like that. And, uh, burnt marshmallow. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That was his, that was his color. I think and, he's scoping, he's scoping you out right now to see what he's got. The, what the competition is for when he does make his dive into the lore game. <laughs> I hope he does. Cause it's like, a, like me and Dale Wally were just talking about this, I don't know if it was last last week or the week before. I think it was last weekend. It's like we're not going to be making these lures forever. I mean, mm -hmm. there's going to be a point that I want to make them until I can't. And I'm not that old. I'm 53, so I, I still got a long ways to go. But it's it's got to end at some point. And you hope that I sure hope Joey, you know, would take it over just to keep. I mean, that you put this much time into it, you don't want it to come to a screeching halt. That's what that Dale said the same thing. He's like, you know, yeah, you hope that hope they keep going. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to think about I don't want to think about Leo's coming to a screeching halt. No. Although <laughs> I do have quite the stockpile over here. I'm just Dan saying. the man's got us. Yeah, just say you could, you could always go to Dan's. Yeah. yeah, I could always go to Dan's and bar his, yeah. You get a, the Dan Lutton superstore. He's got your grandkids and your grandkids' grandkids covered, so <laughs> What else do we have for Todd here? We almost went two and a half on this one. We did. Oh, man. I didn't realize I was holding you guys up that long. Oh, you're not. Oh, yeah. You're not holding well, us up. It's about 150 lures to paint the night, and here we are holding <laughs> two and a half hours. <laughs> Anybody have yeah, any other questions? I should have had Joey come up for a little bit, but he, he was inside and... Yeah, Joe's Joey's so quiet. He he probably wouldn't even want to do do the podcast. <laughs> I I did have a question. I was just, I mean, I th I think of you and Leo Lures as kind of like um, 
I don't know, ambassadors of Western PA fishing and, you know, big deals in our area. So is there something that you think of? I mean, because we were fishing with a lot of guys from out of state, you know, a couple weekends ago. Just is there something that you, when you think of Western PA fishing, you know, what what do you want it to be known for, legacy or, you know, just anything like that? What Getting the word out about what we have here and how special it is, just kind of your thoughts on that and in your piece in that too. I think like, like just for Western Pennsylvania in general, I just think like the, the work that's been done with the, the fish commission, that's making our fishery good. I, I, I mean, there's been times it's, it's been really, really bad for years. I mean, you, right now you talk to guys and they're like, Oh, I only caught three today. Well, there's a lot of times where we've gone, we were happy to get one follow, you know, when you went out and uh, the best, like I said earlier, the best fishing is right now. And that's all, all due to what, what the fish commission is doing on, on trying to make this musky fishery better. And our clubs are raising money for, you know, helping with the, the feeding of the fish and buying the shiners and everything. And, I, I just think that that's sort of putting Western PA on the map of like, look, look how good Pima Tuming is now. Look how good Lake Arthur is getting. And uh, before everybody was your first thought of where you were going to go fishing for the weekend, everybody would have, not everybody, but a lot of people would have said Chautauqua. Um, I'm not going to say Chautauqua is an afterthought. Chautauqua is still a great fishery, but for me, I'm, I'm not going to drive to Chautauqua when, Look at how good Pima Tuming is. Uh, it, I'd stay right here in Pennsylvania and fish. And that, I don't think that was 15 years ago. That wasn't the case. I think people were more than willing to travel to New York or to Ohio or somewhere else because the fishing was better. And it, they, we rounded the corner finally. And I think it's the best it's ever been around here right now, I think. We, I mean, we're limited on where we can go, I guess. We don't, it's not like Wisconsin or Minnesota where you have a zillion, zillion different musky lakes. We're, we're limited on how many of them we can fish, but the ones that we do, boy, they sure got some quality fish in them and some decent numbers now. And it, it is one funny thing about the lure. You guys were saying earlier about the lure makers, like, especially like in Elwood, when I used to do like the Chicago musky show and the Milwaukee musky show and talk to guys out there it was always funny because they would be like does everybody in Elwood City make fishing lures because <laughs> there was at that time there was Ed Ladiano, Dale Wiley, me, uh, Rich Newman, Bob Razzo. I mean there's five right there I could think of off the top of my head I'm, I, I'm probably forgetting other ones. Where, yeah, was, there was, where was Mintier from? Is he from that area too? Newcastle. Okay. Yeah, he was from Newcastle. That's not that. Or not, 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 not Mentir. Uh, Jerry Mentir. Where in the heck is, I can't remember the name of the town that he's from. I was thinking that uh, Menser that made the vamps. Okay. He was, he was from Newcastle. Jerry Mentir. Man, I can't remember what town that's called that he's from. But it's like in the Butler direction. I can't remember. Can't remember the name of the town. He's not down by Howard Wagner, was he? No, Howard's right out the road from me in Fonville. Okay. Fonville, yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, that's just, dude, it's the history, you know? 
Like it's just crazy. I, I think a lot of that goes back to like our whole area was steel mills and a lot of the guys here, they, everybody worked in the steel mills in the Elwood area and that was their trips. I mean, everybody went fishing in Canada and yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing what this, this small town of Elwood, how many musky fishermen over the years have been from Elwood. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's 79 belt, man. All the way up there. I mean, there's still, I mean, we still get new bait makers all the time in our area too. You oh, know, yeah. just like, uh, so uh, just along the lines of like Nate's question, do you, do you ever like, cause I mean, you've been doing this a long time and I know you, mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't answer this, this question or you would a very specific way, but like Nate alluded to like guys, you know, looking at, you know, you and guys like Dale, you know, it was like legendary bait makers, you know, like it's the history, how many fish were caught, how many lures you guys put out. And it's not just here, like guys are fishing your stuff all over the country. So, you know, legacy and like history wise, do you feel like you're a part of that? I don't, I, to me, I just think I'm another guy that fishes. Like, it's good to hear that people use them all over the place. And like, I sell them, you know, a lot of different states and stuff like that. But I think sometimes we have a tendency to forget that just regular dudes with families that are working full-time jobs, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's all part of it, but I don't know, man. I, I feel like you're part of the history, you know, and I think it's very cool to see some of the Ladiano stuff come through the jerk baits and hear all these stories and everything like that. So it's very cool stuff. Oh, heck yeah. All right, boys. What else do we have here? I think we let Todd go and then get him back another time with Joby. Yeah, that's what I'd like to do. <laughs> Little combo. <laughs> we'll have to talk. We'll have to talk some more about uh, Ladiano next time and get into that but yeah man i mean if anybody's interested in in getting you know some leos whether they're jerk baits or mojos or whatever what's the best way to get a hold of you at this point um they could go on my website it's just www.leolures.com or probably the most up-to-date is on my instagram page it's just leo party leo lures that's probably the easiest for getting a hold of us and like I said, the Instagram is going to have way more up to date. So my website gets updated about once a year. But Instagram, I'm constantly putting, if I have a new color or a new lure or anything like that, it's going to be on Instagram first. Very cool. Nate Bud's going to be putting another order in here. Real He's quick. already reaching for the phone. <laughs> Get him. Oh, can't think about it. Add to cart. Add to cart. <laughs> if you look at mine, I already have it pulled up the message Todd about my hog. That's all see. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Well, we really appreciate you taking two and a half hours here with us tonight to BS thank about muskies and then Leo. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah man, thank this you. was awesome. Yeah, Sorry for tying, tying everybody's Friday night up. No, oh, this, this is uh, this was great. Yeah, this is like I I got nothing else. No. On a Friday night. I would love to talk to Todd Leah Party about musky fishing every Friday night of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Time me up. All right, boys. Well, thanks again. We appreciate it been fun thanks todd we appreciate it thank you thank you guys i sure appreciate it yeah all right guys take care later i had to shake them on my last case big o don't play